the jury. The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located in blustery northwest Pennsylvania, where it is cold, snowy, icy, and just all around, well, miserable. So icy. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Folks, we broadcast live each and every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday. Uh, we do the math for you. From 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. We're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR. You can watch us live and by archive as well on our YouTube channel. It's linked right off of Hagman and Hagman.com. Folks, bookmark Hagman and Hagman.com. From there, you can also get to HagmanReport.com. That's our news information articles site. In fact, uh, the uh, description and, and the article about tonight's program is at HagmanReport.com. And you can watch us, uh, of course, on HagmanandHagman.com via our live YouTube site. Don't forget uh, about our different websites. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator researcher. And, of course, most importantly, my son, Joe Hagman. Together we are the Hagman and Hagman Report. What I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. We dig deep into the topics that others, the mass media, won't, doesn't, can't, refuse to do, whatever the case might be. Uh, I just want to welcome all listeners. Heard, uh, you know, it seems like right before the show starts, we hear from everybody uh, all across the United States, uh, South America, Central America, North America, uh, my goodness, Europe, Germany, thank you, and uh, uh, Taiwan even, and uh, many, many places all across the globe. Before we get into tonight's program, I want to mention that, of course, portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by nuts.com. That's nuts.com. Have you been to the website lately? Oh, please do. Please go to nuts.com. Check out, check out their selection. They've got such a wonderful selection of, of fresh, and I mean fresh nuts, uh, snacks, dried fruit, anything that you want. Use our microphone code HH in the top right. Use our microphone code HH. Also, portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by Whole Tones Live. That's Whole Tones Live, W-H-O-L-E, Whole Tones Live, bringing to you the healing and restorative powers of the music of King David, biblical, as well as soothing. And I've gotten so many, so many positive responses from people saying, you know, it's really changed our lives. That's Whole Tones Live. Holtonesalive.com. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. One of my absolutely favorite people in the world, favorite author. Um, he's a brother in in Christ. He is uh, he's on the front lines, folks. When when I say on the front lines, he really is. His name is Paul McGuire. He's the author of numerous books, including the Babylon Code. The co-author of the Babylon Code, folks. That book has reached. Number one on Amazon in the in their prophecy sales. Um, we really, folks, you know, we need to get it 
like number one on the New York Times bestseller list because the information in there is so good. I filled up two notebooks just studying and, and really pouring through the Babylon Code. But equally and perhaps even more exciting, Mr. McGuire is pre-releasing right now. There's a pre-release on A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. And I will say this. Just buckle up, saddle for battle as you, as you prepare for it. Folks, please pre-order it via his website, paulmcguire.us. And of course, lastly, before I turn it over to Joe, um, Paul McGuire is going to be speaking. He's going to be the first speaker, I believe, at Hear the Watchman conference. Mm-hmm. And as, as events, as really luck would have it, we have the pleasure of introducing, it's my understanding we have the pleasure of introducing Paul McGuire, uh, that night when he appears for his, uh, for his uh, presentation on, on the, the first night of the conference. So I would urge everyone to get there early for that. You do not want to miss Paul McGuire at Hear the Watchman. And I'm just so thankful that we have him on the air. Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. Yeah, it's great to be here. I slid all seven miles uh, on my way here to the studio uh, from the <laughs> ice on the road. But uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, Paul is one of our favorite guests and, and a brother in Christ. And yes, do not miss his speech if you're going to hear the Watchman, because uh, each time I've seen him speak, it is v- uh, very much Holy Ghost-led and uh, very powerful. With Absolutely. that, let's bring on Paul McGuire, his website, paulmcguire.us. Paul, it's great to have you back on the show. Hey, Joe. Hey, Doug. Thank you for the kind words in the introduction. And it's uh, it's not great. It's better than great. It's awesome. It's it's actually better than awesome. I can't think of the word. It's it's like I don't have vocabulary. I'm serious. People are going to think, gee, this guy's really trying to get in good with the host. But it's being with the uh, being with you guys in the program is better than awesome. I really don't have a, a vocabulary word to take it higher than that. But it's 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 more than fun. It, it's it's like dynamic. It's powerful. It's just it's a privilege just to put it that way. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure, and you know, folks, I, I would urge everyone, and we're 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 actually compiling a playlist of of all of your appearances because um honestly out of all of the guests that we have had on we have cited you we have we have taken uh more sound clips from you than any other um guests and that's just a fact it's not i mean it's not meant to be complimentary or whatever but it's a fact because you have really gone on some extremely um Specific laser-like, uh, I don't want to say rants, but uh, but conversations, and, and people have been so blessed by everything that you've given us. And and you know this isn't a and, and folks, this is not a mutual admiration society here. It's just very simply how things are are how they are, and uh, with guests like you, um, we'd have to really shoot ourselves in the foot several times to to uh, stumble and fail. So, Paul, uh, I've just got to say, I'm so excited about your book, but I know that there's a number of things that you certainly want to get into. Where do you want to start? Um, That's my favorite question of all the guests. Where do you want to start tonight? Well, I I think um, I want to talk about, uh, first of all, I want to uh, say to everybody who's listening right now that um, 
there's a lot of people who have prayed for this program, this specific program tonight, and who have prayed for me. I had a, just a call a few minutes ago from somebody who prayed for me. And there's a lot of people praying, and I have, uh, I have the very deep sense that, uh, on this program, the Lord is going to move extremely powerfully, and He's going to touch a lot of lives, and He's going to give wisdom. So if you're out there listening, <clears throat> I would encourage you to contact your friends wherever they are in the world and however they can uh, listen to the Hagman and Hagman Report, this show. Um, t- contact them now so they can listen to it live because I believe the Lord has something to say in the program. And and going back to your introduction, which is very uh, kind and it's, uh, you know, it's appreciated. People, people need to be... Uh, Lifted up because I get slammed too all the time. I mean, just like you guys, I'm on the front lines of spiritual warfare. And when you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare, you you, you take a lot of heat. But I was just thinking as you were uh, talking about the uh, sound bites or whatever you're compiling of me, I was thinking about the fact that some people out there listening and saying, "Well, you know, who? I mean, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Me?" And and the thing I want this is to encourage people out there, you know. My ministry didn't happen overnight. Uh, my ministry is probably one of the slowest incrementally. The slow path of my ministry is, was like slow. It took decades. And uh, I was thinking back the other day, you know, I began this ministry speaking to uh, Christian businessmen in, in really inexpensive restaurants, you know, and I didn't get paid. Uh, I don't get paid for doing this program. I don't, I don't even want to get paid, and you don't pay anyway. <laughs> but the point is, I would speak at these restaurants, and, uh, you know, it would be to five businessmen, and maybe one or two would be not saved. And the, what I would get, you know, they would pay me by let, letting me, they pay for my salad bar. And so I spent you know, years and years and years ministering in a total obscurity. And the only reason I'm bringing that up is that I want to encourage people listening, whatever your talent or gifting or ability is, you know, use it. Um, Even if you talk to five people, and maybe it's not speaking, maybe it's repairing cars or whatever it is, uh, if you use your gift and talent and are faithful when no one's looking and you don't give up on it, and that's something my father taught me. My father was like the second fastest man in the United States in track in college uh, at the University of Missouri. He broke all the records. And he, uh, he, he said to me, every time he ran, he would run his guts out, and he would literally vomit after the race because of the, the, the tension in his nerves. But he ran with everything in him. And, and, he, and the one thing he said to me when I was a kid that stuck in my mind about life and and how to make things happen, and he and he was a, a, a professional artist. I mean, he was a very good artist. Um, um, you know, he would paint everything, and this might offend somebody, but I grew up in an atheistic household in New York City. He he would paint everything from Alice in Wonderland type paintings uh, to beautiful paintings of of nature. But he would he had a wild side, and he would paint nudes on motorcycles. And um, you know, I, you know, that's who he was. And I had the privilege of leading him to Christ many years later. But he he said to me when I was a kid, he said, "Paul, just keep, whatever you want to do in life." He said, "Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it." And I won't tell you how many times he would say the words, "Keep at it, keep at it." 
He was also a public school teacher, a public school teacher in uh, New York City. But those words, keep at it, keep at it, stuck in my mind. And I'm sharing that to, to hopefully uh, the Lord would speak to people out there that have a gift or a talent or a dream or ability. Just keep at it. Be faithful. I mean, be open to the Lord's instruction or wisdom. But not everything happens overnight. My ministry didn't happen overnight. And if you keep at it and you're faithful, it's amazing what the Lord can do uh, through you, way beyond whatever you think. I mean, uh, you know, the reality is my ministry, although it's a small ministry, very small ministry, we reach millions of people around the world every month. But I started out ministering to three or four businessmen for a salad bar lunch in really obscure places. So uh, I just hope I just want to encourage people out there that that have a gift or a talent in any realm. Just keep at it, and it's amazing what the Lord can do. A lot of people bail out. You know, things get tough, or you know, if I had bailed out because I didn't get to speak to twenty-five, fifty, or a hundred people decades ago, I, I wouldn't be talking with you guys today. I'm the author of twenty-eight books. <laughs> That's well, like what you know, the parable said in Matthew 13, where the people receive the word, but when persecution and tribulation come, uh, the word you know the word is taken from them uh, because they because of that persecution. Uh, you know, and the only the only uh, the parable of the sower, and the only uh, person who is successful is those that take the word and, and take it to the heart and uh, and continue on. Amen, and and that is uh, uh, a beautiful scriptural basis for what I was trying to share. You know, uh, that there 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 is a devil, and he likes to steal the seed of the word of God from people's hearts. But if God has given you a dream or a talent or a gift, keep at it. I mean, be faithful, and being faithful, and and, and that and that applies to marriage too. By the way, I've been married to one woman faithfully by the grace of God for forty years. Now, um, did I did I say this? I don't think I did the last time I was on. They have this uh, psychological profile test that I think Christian uh, um, marriage counselors use too, and it's a psychological profile that a man and woman take before marriage, and the psychological profile claims to predict the likelihood of you staying together in marriage or the likelihood of you divorcing. Now. Uh, if my wife and I took that psychological profile test on how long our marriage would have lasted, I guarantee you we would have been 100% divorced within a year after we got married. <laughs> but we hung in there. You know, the, you know when I got married, I, my, my wife is the most wonderful person I know. Uh, I'm more in love with her now than I was when I first met her. Uh, the, the love that I have for her is so much deeper and richer now because I've spent a lifetime with her, you know. We have memories together. She bore my kids, you know. We've been through good times and hard times. And, and you know, when you go through hard times, you don't like it, but when you stay with somebody through the hard times, man, you get to know that person, and it's a joy. Well, I, I have this joyous reward in my life right now of my wife, Christina, who, who is listening to the program because she loves your show, uh, in another room, um, and I have the, the, the blessing of having this incredible relationship with my wife because even though the first year of our marriage was Vietnam, we fought like cats and dogs, the second year of our marriage or third year of our marriage was like the first invasion of Iraq. 
we fought, I mean, all hell broke loose. Uh, we fought like cats and dogs, but guess what? We didn't divorce. We we hung in there, and, and guess what? The, there's nothing like uh, a marriage, uh, if you'll allow the Lord to work on you, to chisel away your flesh, and it's a great opportunity for God to crucify, uh, you know, your your sinful nature, you know, like me. My sinful nature is self-centeredness. Well, guess what? Uh, going through marriage problems, it, it puts to death your self-centeredness, and God's not finished with me yet. So I'm saying all this to say that um, there's a principle, and you 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 identified it, uh, Joe, in the scripture. If we'll be faithful, if we'll be hang in there and not bail out, like the world the world says, bail out. Whether it's marriage, whether it's building a business, whether it's building a ministry, whether it's developing talents or abilities. If you'll hang in there, then you give God an opportunity to really bless it. And I don't know why I talked about this. It wasn't a plan to talk about, but I hope I hope that encourages people out there, you know, because people say, gee, you wrote 28 books. Well, you know why I wrote 28 books? Because I had to, because a fire was under my posterior year decades ago. And, you know, if I didn't write the book, I, I wouldn't have survived. So it, it's amazing how fire and trials can be the very thing that births something. So I hope that 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 uh, helps somebody. Uh, oh, I'm and sure. I, I just yeah, it, it was very insightful. And, and you know, um, it's, thanks for mentioning about your wife because to to me, I know I could not do what I do without my wife. Yeah, you know, and it's plain and simple. My wife keeps me. I mean, she's like my my um, my compass. My I mean, I, I just love her, and um, uh, I mean, thirty years is where we're at, and, and that's you know. Uh, Congratulations. Well, 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 thank you, and and you know, it's not not quite forty yet, but uh, kind of a late start there. But 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 you know, the the people. I, I guess in general, the people in our lives that it's so important. To have the right people in our lives, and I think God, God does provide that for us. Or you know, whether um, regardless, friends, wives, he'll he'll bring the right husbands, he'll bring the right people into our lives. And uh, since she's listening, I just want to say thank you, uh, Mrs. McGuire, for all that you do for Paul Absolutely. and uh, for us as well. So I'm getting anyway. touched, and I know she she will be touched. You know, when you you talked about your own life and stuff, <clears throat> there are people out there listening who have been divorced once or twice or whatever, or maybe single because of divorce or whatever. Maybe it wasn't even their fault that the marriage ended. Maybe their spouse was unfaithful, or maybe they, they they're just single. And I want to just say to you, if you're single, or if you're divorced, or if you've been divorced multiple times or whatever, you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that. It's not three strikes that you're out, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of all sin. So, so if your first marriage, uh, you know, ended for whatever reason, uh, that doesn't mean you're disqualified from blessing. So, so work on the second marriage or, or whatever marriage you're in. I mean, apply the principles. It's not over. You know, uh, Doug <clears throat> has been married for 30 years. That's a long time in today's world. I've been married for 40. But but even if you've been divorced and you're remarried, you're not disqualified from God's blessing. You can apply these principles wherever you are. And if you're single, you can apply these principles wherever you are. 
and, and I just want to say that because I don't want anyone to think, gee, I'm disqualified because I, you know, I, I got divorced or whatever. Uh, no, you're not disqualified. That's the, that's why the, the Bible, uh, Jesus' words are called the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the bad news, it's the good news, because the blood of Jesus Christ gives you a fresh start. And you say, well, Paul, well, that, what does that mean to me being single? I'll tell you what it means if you're single, how you can apply these principles. Don't do what the world says. See, the world says if you're single, you know, uh, sleep around or whatever, you know, oh, you know, it's okay, you know. No, I would say to you, no. If you really want God's best, then obey the Lord. Don't sleep around. Be faithful to the Lord. Ask Him in prayer. Trust Him. And God will bring you, if you ask Him to, um, a mate and and the right mate. But you're not going to get the right mate if you uh, do a shortcut and sleep around. And I say that especially to women, not because I'm sexist. It's because women... Uh, they just they bear the brunt of it more than men biologically because they can end up getting pregnant or whatever. But the thing is this: if you're a woman or a man, and I, and I can't tell you how many people I meet, and I'm not not putting them down. I had I mean I was wild and crazy before I got married, but um, you know don't don't sleep around. Be faithful to the Lord because guess what the the, the probability of you finding, of, of God bringing you another, uh, uh, or a first husband, or another husband or wife, the right one this time, your probability really increases if you're faithful to the Lord, because then you're going to have the spiritual discernment to get the right one. And guess what? Guys or girls that won't sleep with you before marriage, those are the ones that you want to get married to, because they have character. You know what I'm saying, and and Amen. and this is a personal, and so so I really you know don't do it the world. Hey, look, God knows you have sexual needs. Uh, you know uh, I don't want to get too specific because it horrifies some people, but I will say this. And if you get upset, please understand that what I'm about to talk about, uh, God created. So if you're upset with me, Paul McGuire, because I said it this way, I just want to remind you that the the the, the thing I'm going to talk about in a moment, God created. So let's talk about that. And I know this freaks people out, and I don't understand why. But God created, and 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 I apologize if I if, if I don't think Joe and Doug will be offended. But if I offend any of their audiences, I want to ask you guys for your forgiveness ahead of time. But let, but let's just cut to the chase, okay? God, the Creator, God that created Adam and Eve, and He created the universe, and He created male and female. Now, isn't it interesting the way God created the male and the female? He designed them anatomically uh, with two different kinds of bodies. A woman's body has is shaped differently than a man's, and vice versa. Uh, and there are certain... Or, yeah, thank... Right, amen. Thank goodness. And I know all the men are standing up saying, thank goodness. I think the women are, too. But thank goodness. But, but guess what? You know... Uh, Women are equipped by God with different body parts than men are. Uh, and I don't have to spell out the body parts. We all know what they are. Now, um, God created that difference, and God created this attraction between the sexes, because if God didn't create the attraction between the sexes, nobody would get married, or at least men wouldn't get married. 
Now, the other thing is that God created men and women uh, to be attracted to one another. Men, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way God created men is probably their first uh, modality of attraction towards a woman is physical. Um, and and uh, without being specific, uh, it's the differences in a woman's body that attracts a man to a woman. And that's by, that's designed by God. And women are attracted to men physically, yes, but they're also a little bit deeper than that. They're attracted to men's uh, personality and sense of humor and stuff like that. So this is all created by God. Now, so therefore it's a beautiful thing. It's just that God has some some uh, uh, parameters, rules, and guidelines about uh, sexual attraction and romantic attraction. But then the second thing is that uh, it's designed for marriage, but the sexual part of the relationship, which God designed for marriage, because uh, uh, sexuality uh, integrates with the deepest parts of the personality, and God knows that, and he's not trying to deprive anybody of fun. He just wants to protect men and women. So let's uh, be specific. God created the orgasm. Now that's upsetting to some people, but but you know it's better that a Bible teacher such as myself tells people that God created the orgasm, than somebody has to discover that uh, by some porn magazine or Playboy or Cosmopolitan magazine or whatever, because they'll discuss orgasm like crazy, and uh, not discuss it in a way that that's part of God's plan. So. So we need to discuss God's plan, uh, and God created the orgasm, and God created the the physical responses that a man has towards a woman sexually, and vice versa. Now, I'm not going to get specific about that, but everybody knows uh, what those things are, and that's all beautiful in God's uh, design and plan. If it's done in a sanctified relationship, which is a, a marriage relationship. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because... Um, when we do things God's way and we decide to be faithful and not uh, engage in sexual activity outside of marriage, then we can get God's blessing. See, uh, women oftentimes, you know, they, and again, this is not sexist, they will, uh, uh, they're, they're afraid of losing a man, especially in today's society, if they don't uh, give in sexually to the man. Um, and uh, so they engage in sex outside of marriage. I mean, Christian women and Christian men all the time now. But the, but the problem is, is that by doing that you end up cheating yourself. Because if you're praying for God's choice for your life, which is what you should be praying for, that God would God would select a husband for you, or God would select a wife for you. You don't want your selection. Now, now, God's going to do it in such a way that you're going to agree and be happy with the selection. But the point is, you want God's wisdom. Because God can see the, the, the deep motives of a person. And, and I told this to my daughter the other day. I said, uh, I won't mention my daughter's name out of respect to her, but I said to her, I was having a fatherly talk to her. She's like uh, 23 years old. And I said, uh, without mentioning her name, I said, the most important thing, and I won't mention her name, for you in, in selecting a man, I said, more important than money and education and even looks, and I said, I know that's all important, is you want a man that really loves Jesus. 
I said, because a man that, I'm not, I'm not talking about some religious man or a man or some, some kind of religious trip. You want a man that really loves Jesus, because if you get a man that really loves the Lord, he's going to stick with you through thick and thin. He's going to be with you through the good times and the bad times. And that, more than anything else, means that you can have a happy life. I said, but if I could tell you anything as your father, that's the most important thing, that you marry a man that really loves the Lord. And, uh, you know, I pray that it's sunk in. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but it's, I guess what, what it comes down to is doing things God's way or doing things ours our way. That's what it comes down to. That's what it seems to, to always come down to, um, as far as life's concerned and, and how things seem to go in our life, whether uh, we're successful or we're happy. Um, when we align ourselves with God's will, things always seem to work out. And when we work against that, this is where we want to run into roadblocks and, and, and problems that could have been avoided but, but, but this is how you learn also at times too you, you know what i think too when we're talking about this this is just my viewpoint uh, and going back to your book the babylon code going back to a prophecy of the future of america to me you know a, a healthy man woman husband wife relationship is the foundation of obviously of the nuclear family but it's the foundation really of of everything in my view um no it, it doesn't mean if you're if you're widowed or if you're unmarried that the you're out of that um foundational aspect but i guess what i'm saying is uh look at to me look at it look at what the enemy is trying to do to us through the assault and attack on traditional marriage in the traditional relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife and you can see the morality under attack and, and that's, this is a gift from God so I mean it has its place I believe in any discussion or, and in this discussion it has its place as a foundational uh, aspect of things so uh, to me, I th- and and I just in my spirit as you were talking, I felt that there were some people in our audience that really needed to hear this because they may be going through some rocky times. And and you know, thirty years, forty years, five years married, you're gonna you're gonna have some rocky times, but hang in there right. and don't give up. Don't and understand that a lot of times it's the enemy that's trying to insinuate themselves or right. itself into this to destroy what is good so oh, it is yeah, it is the enemy yeah uh, no doubt about that well yeah, yeah i mean you, you, both of you guys are absolutely right the devil or satan hates the christian marriage and he wants to, to, to blow it apart and you know people say to me you know a good marriage a wonderful christian marriage is not one that's perfect i've never met a perfect christian marriage i've met people who put on a great act but then, then I got to see what was going on behind the scenes. And every Christian marriage has conflict and fights. Okay, and that doesn't mean it isn't a beautiful marriage. A beautiful Christian marriage is one that does have fights and conflicts, but you f- learn how to forgive one another. The marriages that make me nervous is when people say, oh, I never fight with my husband. To me, that's like a ticking time bomb, because there's something wrong there. Now, like what you just said, Doug, yeah, you're right. This is this is imperative and as you know, I'm writing like 18 hours a day. Um, I'm writing a prophecy of the future of America 2016, 2017. 
and I'm praying, and I'm, I'm doing research, and it's, it's, it's not only uh, a brand new edition of the original A Prophecy of the Future of America, but this is all new material because I feel such an incredible burden from the Lord about what is happening in 2016 and 2017. The choices we make, I believe, <clears throat> are going to be largely irreversible. And so I'm, I'm writing furiously a prophecy of America 2016-2017, which people can pre-order, and it will be out, uh, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, in the next 30 days. And I'm pouring my life into it, and I feel like I'm giving birth, uh, because one of the things that, that you just mentioned, Doug, is that as I've been, the book is very intense. It has it, it, it exposes stuff at, at a level that's never been exposed before, and yet it's also filled with hope, and it's filled uh, with the power of God, and it's filled with what I believe God wants to do in our nation um, um, in this next year or two, if we will allow Him to. But it's way, I believe what God wants to do is way beyond what any of us could ask or think or imagine, but it's going to require. A, a radical commitment to him uh, and a radical reliance on the supernatural power of God but having said that so the book has tremendous hope in it and it's not artificial hope it's not like you know like uh, fake motivation it's it's hope based on the truth of God's word now in the book I've been doing enormous research about uh, the Frankfurt School and I, I know that you gentlemen are familiar with that so for those people listening who may not be familiar with the Frankfurt School, the Frankfurt School was founded by radical Marxist revolutionaries, and they established the school in the 1930s in in uh, Germany. And uh, the purpose of it was they they wanted to map out how they could uh, uh, create Marxist revolutions in, in nations like America and Italy and other nations where the, where the traditional Bolshevik revolution, you know, of workers of the world unite and, and taking armed revolution to the streets might not work. So they wanted to be able to penetrate more sophisticated Western societies like America, Italy, France, and Great Britain, etc. So these cultural Marxists designed a very comprehensive plan. They were brilliant intellectuals about how to overthrow a nation uh, through the Marxist communist principles, but by doing it by by by, tran by radically transforming the culture, so they 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 created the Frankfurt School, and they focused in on, for example, uh, how to introduce cultural Marxism or communism into the marketplace through business principles, uh, through management t techniques, uh, how to infiltrate churches uh, and the Christian Church with communistic principles and Marxist principles by, by changing their theology, by uh, infiltrating the area specifically of the family and marriage. And as, as you guys know and many of your listeners know, that when you read the Communist Manifesto and its strategies, and I have all of this outlined in, in my book, uh, The First of Prophecy of the Future of America, but, but I really go into it in powerful, powerful detail in A Prophecy of America 2016-2017, where you read the words of these brilliant uh, uh, communist intellectuals um, who they targeted strategically 
Number one, the destruction of the family unit that you were talking about, God, uh, Doug. They wanted to, to uh, destroy the family unit. They wanted to destroy marriage. They wanted to promote sexual perversion and promiscuity. And they wanted to destroy patriotism. And they wanted to destroy the church. But the destruction of the family was like the number one target. And it remains in our time. The destruction of the traditional family is the number one target by cultural Marxists. And cultural Marxists, of course, don't call themselves cultural Marxists. They change their names. Globalists and other radical groups. The destruction of the family is number one. And so they devised these very sophisticated strategies on how they would do that, which I go into in, in the book. Uh, Prophecy of America 2016-2017. And the, the first thing they did, and people need to understand this, they, um, through the financing of the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, uh, and because the globalists and the Fabian socialists like uh, Aldous Huxley and H.G. Wells, etc., they worked hand in glove with, uh, with the um, uh, Frankfurt School Marxists. And what they did was <clears throat> they targeted uh, the family and marriage. And this is what they did. They used popular culture, film, uh, media, television, art, culture, and they raised up role models. Uh, this was financed by the Rockefeller Brothers Fund to, to uh, create dissatisfaction in, in, in the family unit. So, for example, the feminist movement, um, which I, as I uh, give documentation for in the book, the feminist movement was a project of the Tavistock Institute, the Mind Control Institute in Great Britain, and it was also a project of the CIA, because Gloria Steinem, one of the premier leaders in the feminist movement, uh, was uh, uh, an agent for the CIA. And you say, well, what would the CIA have to do with this? Well, the CIA was uh, financed and created largely by Rockefeller, and the CIA still, to this day, carries out many programs that are in the interests of the globalists or the Illuminati uh, and the cultural Marxists. So they raised up the feminist movement, and they created this entire dissatisfaction paradigm in the consciousness of women, uh, not to say, I'm not saying for any moment that women didn't have some reasons to uh, complain because they were in many respects uh, treated like sex objects or second-class women. I mean, I mean they were, but but but, but the communists and the and the Marxists amplified it. So they wanted to create all these women who were dissatisfied, and uh, they raised up the feminist movement. And uh, as I think I said it on one of your earlier programs, the reason that the women's liberation movement is called the women's liberation movement, women's liberation is a communist term, just like gay liberation is a communist term. Liberation is a communist term. Or um, uh, there's many kinds of movements, uh, like Yippie, uh, when I was a radical, in the, when I was in my teens, I was a, a radical uh, demonstrating with Abby Hoffman, the radical activist in Manhattan, New York, and he created Yippie, which was the Youth International Party. Well, 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 the trigger word was International Party. That's a communist term. And so 
the feminist movement was was key in bringing down the family unit because now you had women hating they they viewed marriage as slavery and then the cultural marxists in the frankfurt school deliberately uh, raised up role models with Rocke- Rockefeller Brothers Fund financing. <clears throat> and I document this, <clears throat> and I've read the original Rockefeller Bro- uh, Brothers Fund's reports, where they said they were going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars promoting women uh, who were actresses, uh, and the ideal woman promoted through the media would be the woman that wasn't married, the single woman. She was sexually promiscuous. Uh, she had her own job and she and, and, and motherhood and being tied down uh, with children uh, marriage and family was looked at as a oppressive enslaving institution for women and so a woman would want to be liberated and escape all that so they, they indoctrinated several generations of American women and European women into actually believing that and <clears throat> but the, but people don't understand and it's essential that they really grasp this, is that the women's liberation movement or feminism did not arise spontaneously. It didn't, it didn't arise because women organized it or women intellectuals organized it. The women's liberation or feminist movement was the deliberate creation of cultural Marxists designed to destroy the family unit so that communism could be brought in. Through the because Rockefeller when you Foundation. Read, yes, yes. Now, the, the thing that people need to understand, and I, I, I go into this in the book, is that um, when you look at uh, uh, Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto, the idea is that um, you, you can't own private property. You can't even own yourself. Individualism has to be destroyed, and the individual has to be merged into the collective or the state, so you have collectivism, uh, the individualism is is wrong, <clears throat> and then marriage is wrong because in in communist uh, theory and ideology, <clears throat> uh, if a man and woman are married, in a sense they own one another, and that's a form of capitalism. And the communists specifically targeted women, and uh, the, the women uh, were to be uh, available sexually to any man that wanted them in communist societies as communal wives so even if a woman didn't want to have sex with this man or that man she had to because communism was all about smashing the family unit so so in order to arrive at that place they wanted to destroy um, marriage and the family through a form of psychological warfare they used the media to, to create dissatisfaction and so what happened is we had the women's liberation movement and then, through the Tavistock Institute, a mind control laboratory, who the first head of the Tavistock Institute was Sigmund Freud, the father of psychoanalysis, uh, and the cultural Marxists of the Frankfurt School, they created the sexual revolution, which again was promoted through the, uh, the movies, and it was promoted through the counterculture of the 1970s, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and mysticism. That was... The counterculture of the 1970s was a scientifically created cultural revolution. 
again, it was not spontaneous. It wasn't a bunch of hippies smoking dope and rock and roll music, musicians coming together and having a good time and having free sex and free love and, you know, all that stuff. No, 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 no. The countercultural revolution with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and David Bowie, who was a Satanist who recently died, <clears throat> uh, that was the deliberate creation of the Tavistock Institute in Great Britain to destroy, with Rockefeller brother uh, funding, to destroy the family unit, to destroy marriage. And what they, what they did is they promoted sexual promiscuity as the ideal. The whole concept of free love was promoted by them, and free love was an attack also on capitalism. Uh, uh, so you have sex with anybody, anytime. That was promoted, sexual prom promiscuity. Pornography was, pornography didn't arise, and pornography wasn't promoted in the United States just because a lot of people, you know, wanted more sex and wanted uh, 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 written materials and films and videos of, 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 of a sexual nature. Yeah, of course, that played a part in it, but the promotion, ask yourself why is pornography uh, um, free on the internet uh, like there's a tsunami of pornographic uh, uh, stuff yeah. available over the internet it's because it's designed to destroy and shatter the, 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 the marriage uh, unit and create kind of a group sex mentality this is a part of the strategy of the cultural Marxists of the Frankfurt School and the top Tavistock Institute <clears throat> so you create these pal, and then you add drugs to it, and then you add to that the pill, so women can now have sex, and theoretically they don't get pregnant. And then you legalize abortion, so if they do get pregnant, uh, they don't have to bear the responsibility of of having to raise a child as a consequence of having sex. So you 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 throw in this synergistic mix, and it was it, it was calculated, it was premeditated, it was part of a strategic strategy to destroy the family and marriage and the church and you look at the various components women's liberation sexual revolution promiscuity promotion uh, pornography pr uh, promotion uh, the pill <clears throat> um, uh, free sex drugs which loosens people's inhibitions and so you had the sexual revolution uh, the women's movement uh, revolution and you have people living together and you have people sleeping together outside of marriage but this did not happen this didn't happen through some kind of spontaneous or cultural thing it happened because it was a premeditated scientifically created revolutionary strategy designed to undermine uh, God's primary institution which is marriage to undermine a family, which is also <clears throat> God's primary institution, and by breaking down the family unit, and by breaking down the marriage unit, and by promoting sexual perversion and sexual promiscuity and pornography, adding drugs to the mix, <clears throat> you shatter these institutions, and these institutions are God's institutions. Uh, they're Judeo-Christian institutions. And so the communist movement and the globalist movement, which are two si uh, different sides of the same coin, <clears throat> the goal is to bring down the family unit, destroy marriage, traditional marriage, so you can pr replace it with the collective, so you can replace it with Hillary Clinton's uh, book title, It Takes a Village to Raise the Children. The idea is that 
uh, 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 children should not be raised by a mother and a father in a family. They should be re- raised by the collective, which is government, so they can be indoctrinated by the government at a young age. That's the purpose of it takes a, a, a village to raise a children. You have the collective, and that's the purpose why Mark Rubio, by the way, people need to really listen carefully to these uh, uh, people who say they're conservative politicians. You know, uh, I'm not here to push one candidate over another, but people need to do their homework on absolutely every single candidate. Mark Rubio is a globalist. He's the choice of the globalists. He is affiliated with the Aspen Institute, which is a new age globalist <clears throat> uh, one world institute. He is, he is, he is a product of the Aspen Institute, which is a radical globalist uh, new world order institute. That's what he's about. And when you listen to Rubio speaking in one of the uh, campaign debates, he inserted the words very sneakily. He said, well, we need to, to create uh, new education so um, uh, people can, you know, just get a high school degree or deg- get a degree in plumbing or whatever so they can have a job. Well, that sounds great superficially, but what Rubio was doing is he was, he was telegraphing or showing his cards because the central thesis behind totalitarian governments this idea of the government choosing the occupation and the career of a child at a very uh, young age was first implemented on a wide scale in Nazi Germany by Adolf Hitler, where the government tested the children at a young age, the government raised the children, and the government decided uh, what career path every child should have. Now, the problem with that is that children are the creation of God, and children's personalities change radically as the years go by. So a kid who may be um, uh, not not necessarily show any signs of being uh, a writer, for example, uh, suddenly becomes a great author. Or a, a kid who they have slotted to work on an assembly line uh, has the gifting and talents to be an ont- entrepreneur, and so on and so forth. It's endless. Uh, how God-given changes in children naturally arise. But if you have the government come in there at the age of 3, 4, 5, 6, 12 years old and through psychological testing determine the career paths of a, ch- of a child, you have destroyed their God-given talents and abilities. And that's what Rubio was saying. He wasn't saying it in those words, but he wants cradle-to-grave education. That's totalitarianism. That's what happens in the communist governments. That's what happened with Adolf Hitler. It's about the government selecting their path. And and this goes back to communism and the Frankfurt School. You don't want the government raising the children because the only, and it's Aldous Huxley's book, Brave New World, the government raises the children, 1984, the government raises the children. The government is not supposed to be the parent of children. God created the institution of marriage and the family for the parents, the mother and father, to educate and raise their children so that the mother and father could instill faith and real love in the child. When the government raises the child, the child becomes a a zombie, an indoctrinated program, uh, uh, you know, a good Nazi. And we don't want that. So this, so this Frankfurt School cultural Marxism destroyed the family, 
and it destroyed marriage, and we're still suffering repercussions. I mean, 50% of all marriages end in divorce, perhaps more. Uh, many people now are not even getting married. And uh, uh, what this does is it destroys uh, the Constitution, it destroys uh, the economic system, and it transforms the nation into a communist state. Whether, the, whether, the, whether you call it communism or not is irrelevant. I mean, Bernie Sanders, we now have the first generation of millennials, and I expose this in my book, A Prophecy of America, 2016-2017. Um, the fact that the millennials, and that means this ages, uh, let's say, 18 to, to 24 years old, roughly, are considered millennials. The reason, and you can talk to all these kids from Christian homes. I have talked to all these kids from Christian homes, and they're all thinking about voting for Bernie Sanders. And the reason that they can even think about voting for Bernie Sanders is because Bernie Sanders is Santa Claus. He's promising them everything. And they've been scientifically dumbed down, the kids from Christian schools and the kids from secular schools. They, have, they, they think, well, gee, the government's going to take care of all my needs. Well, that sounds wonderful. But they've been dumbed down, and they can't look at the big picture, and they can't understand that in a socialist, communist framework Okay, yeah, the government um, may uh, pay for your schooling, et cetera, et cetera. You won't have any college loans, but guess what? You won't have any, any people are having trouble getting jobs now. Well, the government will assign you your job, and you will live in a third world economy. So, so there's this romanticism about Bernie Sanders among the millennials because they have been uh, indoctrinated into socialism, and they don't understand that socialism comes with a massive price tag and all we have to do is look at history of communism and socialism and we see something uh, very obvious every single nation without exception in human history which is brought in a communist form of government every single one a hundred percent of those nations are totalitarian governments with secret police with concentration camps where hundreds of millions of people have died, been in prison, slaughtered, and starved to death in communist nations like Russia and China and North Korea and North Vietnam, and then in the harder socialist nations, not, not the European socialist nations, because they're still benefiting from the cash flow of capitalism, but in hard socialist nations, you see a loss of freedoms, you see totalitarianism, and you see uh, a lower standard of living. So everybody has their bicycle, everybody has their car the size of a golf cart, and everybody has their tiny little apartment, and, ev and you can't eat steak, you have to eat you know, tofu or whatever, and you're brainwashed into thinking that, that you're, you're, you're saving on energy, you're saving on consumption because of climate change, but climate change is a completely man-made uh, uh, mythology. It's complete propaganda to be a Trojan horse, to, to sucker punch and brainwash people who don't think uh, into accepting voluntary, uh, a voluntary third world standard of living, of poverty, and you accept it voluntarily with a big grinning idiot smile on your face because you think you're saving the planet and not burning up excess energy. Uh, Paul, I hate to do that to you, but uh, hold that no thought. We're going to be right back, folks. Hagman and Hagman Report. Very special guest, Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us.
This is the Global Star Radio Network. And welcome back to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our very special guest, Mr. Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us, folks. Two things, if I can just ask you to do, well, three things if I can ask you to do this. First of all, all of the intercessors out there, you know what, please, let's, let's have an intercessory prayer and a consistent intercessory prayer for Paul McGuire, his work, um, in, in his life, Let, let's step up and let's really uh, put him and lift him up in prayer. That's number one. Number two, as as we are walking through and preparing for what is to come, uh, you know, we are not uh, the Hagman Hagman is not in the in the business of selling books, but certainly recommending tools to get you through the the things that are about to take place. And uh, two of of my primers that I that I give to people. I actually have given these books to people. I've bought them and given them to people because I believe that much in them. Uh, a, a, a prophecy of the future of America. Yeah. Of course, number one. And if I can say something yes. on that book, um, you know, we go through news and information constantly. And to read a book that gives not only uh, new information and new insight on that information, but in all areas that it covers is rare. Exactly. And, and that's what that book does. And that's why it's so important. An entirely new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, is, is, is coming out. And this is why the intercessory prayer is so, so much needed because Paul is, is writing feverishly and this book needs to get in the head. Trust me when I tell you this. Everyone, if you're a Christian, this needs this book needs to get in your hands, and we need to make this book like the number one bestseller on on the planet in every continent and every school church. I mean, to, to me, this is because it is that good. And of course, folks, uh, the Babylon Code number one on Amazon prophecy books. Let's make it a number one New York Times bestseller because I'll just tell you flat out I have learned so much from the Babylon Code um, that I thought I knew but no, not until you read it. So that's my, not a sales pitch, but my recommendation for every Christian out there and if you're interested in and you should be interested in learning that's important. Before we get back to Paul I, I want to mention as well that one of my favorite websites folks is nuts.com and I talk about them all the time. Joe and I talk about them. My wife orders from nuts.com. In fact she just ordered a, 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 a snap up just a, a box of, of nuts and dried fruits. The reason being we are um, we're, we're going to have a, a get together and the first thing that goes off of our table uh, is are, are the nuts, uh, pistachios, dried, dried fruits, and what have you from nuts.com. If you get hungry during the day, have a bag or two in your office. 
trust me when I tell you it will hit the spot. It'll take care of those hunger pangs, especially if you don't have time to leave for lunch. If you if you've gone to the store, if you've gone to various places where they have nut snacks, uh, whatever dried fruit, have you seen this sad state of the product out there in the stores? Well, not with nuts.com. Had a great conversation on the telephone with uh, Jeff, the really the head nut of this fam- third generation family owned business. And uh, he is so into quality control, it's fabulous. I mean, it, he really makes it a point to make sure that the product that, that you receive is the best possible. And, and that's so important and rare today. But even better than that, folks, right now, new customers, uh, to, new customers can get four free samples. You can choose from over 50 different options. It's a $15 value right now when you go to nuts.com and click on the microphone box there. Click on the mic and enter our code HH. That's a very special gift for Hagman and Hagman listeners, and we want to thank nuts.com for doing that for us. You know, they use only the freshest products and the best supplier suppliers in the world. The site is so easy to use if you're watching this live via YouTube. Eric is showing you how he can just go on nuts.com, enter the code, and bang, you're right there to various selections. And our favorites are too numerous to mention, but I'll just throw throw this one uh, phrase out there, monkey munch. Okay, well, when I'm sitting and in, in, in looking at some investigative research product, uh, and I get stumped, uh, brain food, monkey munch to me. All right, and uh, folks, they also have numerous flavors of coffees, 39 different flavors of coffee. Um, it's it, it, it or I'm sorry, 170 flavors, 39 different kinds of coffee, but over 170 flavors. You can't go wrong. And how about for your boss? Gift tins, trays, baskets, buckets of nuts, buckets of dried fruit. You name it, they've got it. So your one-stop shop for all things snack-related. Right now, folks, new customers, four free samples to choose from. Out of over 50 options, they've got over 3,000 healthy snacks to cater to any diet restrictions as well. So even if you're a diabetic or if, you, if you've got gluten restrictions, no matter what, uh, they can serve you well. So new customers, four free samples. It's a $15 value. Go to nuts.com. That's nuts.com. Enter our code HH. Nuts.com. Enter our code HH. And go to town, folks, and do it today. Again, Paul McGuire, our very special guest, author, prolific author, and a brother in Christ. Website is paulmcguire.us and his YouTube channel, Paul McGuire. Check those regularly. He does a great job with his uh, the videos he does uh, and the breakdowns of subjects and videos, and they're very uh, in-depth and detailed, and I really enjoy listening to him, um, just sitting there listening to him, and or if I'm doing something else, having him on in the background. Absolutely. Paul, thanks for thanks for holding uh, through the top of the hour, and welcome back, sir. And if I can add, if I, b- before we go on, if I can just say one thing, we like it. It's, it's, as investigators and, and me personally, I like to look at things from a, from a kind of a higher altitude here. And when you were talking about the family, about the husband and wife, and we didn't script any of this beforehand, but it's interesting that, um, when, when you had talked about the, for example, uh, the, uh, the, the woman, the woman in, in a marriage, it's interesting that the Tavistock Institute, now Dr. John Coleman had done so much research on this, 
but to weaken the moral fiber of the nation and to demoralize actually demoralize the middle class by creating mass unemployment you know we are forced or some people just to make ends meet are forced to to have two jobs or the husband and wife each working and having a job as jobs dwindle due to the post-industrial zero growth policies introduced by organizations the like the club of rome for example um there's this demoralization and discouraged workers are, are resorting to alcohol to drugs and you talk about this in your books and you talk about this on our program the youth the unattended uh children of the marriages where you've got the both parents working multiple jobs they're encouraged by means of rock music and this counterculture mentality and drugs to rebel against the status quo and people think oh their kids will be kids no this is a plan by Tavistock and it's American counterparts for example Stanford Research to undertake the work of the globalists and, and the work that has become known as the Aquarian Conspiracy and again this comes back directly into the research you've done and when i think about this how clueless are people and especially christians to really the agenda that's the destructive agenda to take away our children and as you had pointed out to have the state raise them why because we're being the middle class is being attacked in every sense of the word paul i'm just going to kick it back to you and uh, there we go. I'm going to. Can you hear me? It's interesting yes. that you you use the word in, uh, Aquarian conspiracy because I talk about it this in the new book, A Prophecy of America, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. And I want to say this. You know, um, this may work in uh, many other people's lives as well as my life, but but it works in my life as a researcher and an author and a speaker. Uh, am I still there with you guys? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I do a tremendous amount of research. Um, um, and the Holy Spirit um, guides and leads that uh, research. And um, I can't tell you how many ways. And, and, and if you go back in time, and I believe this, this what I'm sharing now, uh, applies to probably any person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I, I'd like them to listen to, to pay close attention because it applies to their life. It's not just about my life. It applies to their life. You know, God called each one of us before uh, the beginning of time to be here for such a time as this. So every single person listening has been called by God before the beginning of time to be here in this time period, in this nation, facing these set of uh, challenges, adversities, and having the, the resources and blessings he's given us simultaneously. But he chose every one of us to be here for such a time as this. And that implies that every single one of us have been downloaded uh, by God with the supernatural gifts, talents, and abilities necessary to be victorious in this lifetime. And I, I want to just say that again. Um, we ha all have trials. We all have tribulations. We all have uh, negative things we face. Every single one of us do. Uh, we all face spiritual battles of all kinds. 
But since God chose you before the foundation of the world to be here for such a time as this, he already downloaded in you before you were born, because he knew you before you were conceived in your mother's womb and planned for you to be here. He downloaded in you the, the spiritual gifting, the, the, the natural talents that he gave you, and he filled you with every single person listening. He has already filled you with everything you need to be victorious and to overcome all things in this lifetime. Now, somebody may hear what I'm saying and saying, well, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't, but I've gone through a lot of hell. Uh, uh, and, you know, uh, we all go through trials. And the point I want to make, though, is that you may be saying, well, you don't know my circumstance. No, I don't know your circumstance, but I do know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do know that if you seek his face, most likely... If you're struggling and going through all these kinds of trials, I would suggest to you, if you're listening, that um, not only that you, do you, you need to continue to seek the Lord, but you need to be open um, by meditating in his word to what God wants to give you. And by that I mean God wants you, by faith, to access his supernatural resources. So in other words, you're facing things in your life, and... Um, you may only be using, let's say, hypothetically, seven different things that God has given you, seven different kinds of wisdom or talents or abilities or whatever. You're using seven things that God has given you to try to fight the spiritual battles, to, to try to be an overcomer in life. You're using, let's say, seven things, or maybe 14 things, or three things, or maybe 30 things. But I want to suggest to you, if you're listening, that God has for you already. He's already put in your human spirit probably 250 things in terms of talents, abilities, resources. Let's call them apps. Let's just use the, the term apps. Uh, most people have a cell phone or most people have a computer. And if they want to be able to operate different systems on their cell phone or their laptop or computer, they download an app, and this app uh, will enable them to do all kinds of things that they couldn't do before until they downloaded the app. I'll give you an example. I won't name the name of my cell phone. Uh, it's it's not it's not an Apple. I wish it was, but I, my wife has the, the Apple cell phone, the nice Apple cell phone, because the, our our provider, you know. Um, they had a deal, and I had to sell. <laughs> I had to sell for the the competitor's cell phone, which I hate. And I'll give into the flesh. I'd like to take a hammer and smash it. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but she has this marvelous app where she downloaded it. And I won't the name the name of it. Many of you may have it. And we're here in L.A. with L.A. traffic and traffic jams like every five minutes. And her app will talk to her and tell her. If there's an accident up ahead, give her alternative routes, tell her how long. I mean, this app is so hot, it'll basically talk her through the L.A. traffic jams. It'll tell her how to avoid if there's a, I, I support the police. If you're a police officer, I support the pol police. I really want you to know that. And those aren't just words. We need to really support our police right now. But it does tell you if there's a cop hiding up ahead so you slow down so you don't get a ticket. It's a great app. And it really, really makes life a million times better on the freeways, which are hell in L.A. I don't have that app. 
and my GPS system crashed. So I have to I have to print out from Google Maps how I'm going to get somewhere, and I have no clue about what's uh, up ahead to avoid it or take a different route. Now, she, because she bothered to download the app, her life is so much easier, and she, to put it in spiritual terms, can be victorious and overcomer on the freeways of L.A. I can't because I didn't download the app. Now, why I'm telling you that story is that for every person listening. God has downloaded apps, spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities, and resources into your human personality uh, before the beginning of time. But in order for those gifts and talents and abilities and resources to work, you have to access them. You have to not only download the app, but you've got to activate it. So what I'm trying to tell you listening is if you're fighting a spiritual battle or a spiritual warfare, if you're only using seven or ten or twenty things that God has given you because that's what you know how to use, I want to challenge you to go into the throne room of God by faith. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. And ask God specifically to give you everything that you need, the apps, okay, uh, maybe a gift of discernment, maybe the gift of faith, maybe uh, God has given you a natural talent, and you say, well, gee, I can't find a job. Well, you don't know that God has already given you an entire uh, um, app, an entire uh, gifting in natural talents that you could make a living off of, even though you can't make a living off what you think is your current job training and experience. God has already given you job training and experiences that could be transferred to a different industry, a different field of work, where you could make really great employment, but you don't know that you have that ability. And we could go down the list. You're fighting this problem. Uh, and man, if you downloaded the lap, the app of exceptional people skills, and you, you've been told your whole life, well, you're just not that good at people. You know, your friend's a salesman, man, he's great with people. But no, God has given you incredible gifts. You just haven't downloaded the app by faith. So I'm saying that your life would be a lot easier, and you could be an overcomer in some of these trials that you're experiencing. And in fact, you could be victorious in some of these trials you're experiencing if you would go into the throne room of God and a ask Jesus specifically to release those talents, those abilities that he either he's already put in you or he's willing to download in you if you ask him. And you could be victorious. In other words, what I'm saying to you is you're suffering unnecessarily and you're losing spiritual battles unnecessarily because you haven't taken advantage of all the resources God wants to give you and the only thing that's holding it up is that you haven't yet asked God to give it to you in faith and you say well, well I, I have a problem with that well that's your problem that you have a problem with that because you got to understand that Jesus said you have not because you ask not you say, well, why doesn't God just give it to me? Well, God has given it to you, but you've got to activate the app in order for it to work. Now, how do you do that? And this, by the way, this, the, the same thing that I'm talking about also applies to the Christian church in America right now as we are in the greatest spiritual battle for the history of our nation since America was founded, we are in the, in the most intense spiritual battle we have ever been in. The, sti the stakes have never been higher, 
And what happens in 2016 and 2017 is going to determine the, the course of America, and it will be largely irreversible. That's how important the spiritual battle is in that the church is in right now in America, right now. Because America is moving, at, at, at the present moment, America is moving at lightning speed into a totalitarian, globalistic, socialist state where Christi true Christianity is going to be illegal. Many of your freedoms are going to be taken away. Your standard of living is going to go way down. And things could be very, very bad. But... God has given us a window of opportunity right now in 2016, and by God's grace, 2017. That's why I wrote the book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, because I have this incredible burden from the Holy Spirit to deliver this message. My people perish for lack of wisdom or knowledge. My, without a vision, the people perish. And God's people in America don't have a vision from the Lord, and they don't have the knowledge from God that they should have. And I want to communicate that. And you say, well, who are you to communicate it to? I'm just, I'm just the guy who said yes when the Lord said, who will raise your hand? I'm just the guy foolish enough to have raised his hand. That's the only thing that qualified me, grace. So, so these same principles and apps that apply to our personal lives in terms of being victorious apply to the Church of Jesus Christ, which is now in the greatest spiritual battle that we've ever been in. But... The Church of Jesus Christ in America is not winning the battles it should be winning. It's not being victorious in the areas that it should be victorious in, because the Church of Jesus Christ, or the Church collectively, is making the same mistake that the individual Christians that I've talked about, the same mistake they're uh, making. The, the Church of Jesus Christ is not downloading the apps, if you will, that God has for them. The Church of Jesus Christ is not going into the throne room of God and asking God for the supernatural wisdom, the resources, the ability. Most of all, the Church of Jesus Christ is not asking the personal living God of the universe for supernatural strategies that will enable it to win and be victorious in the spiritual battlefields of America right now. The Church of Jesus Christ, like individual Christians, they're relying on their own finite human mind, coming up with their own finite human solutions and human plans, and as those human plans play out on the battlefield of life, they're losing territory, they're losing their freedoms, they're losing all kinds of things, they're being defeated by the adversary because they're relying on their finite human wisdom, which doesn't have enough to be victorious. And what they need to do is repent and say, Lord, I am sorry for relying on my human wisdom and my human gifting to try to win a battle that is bigger than I am. Lord, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to go boldly into the throne room of grace, and I'm going to ask you, God, for your supernatural wisdom. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to download your supernatural apps into my life and into the body of Christ. I'm going to, most of all, God, before I get up and jump on a horse and charge into battle, I'm going to ask you, Lord, what give me, give us your supernatural strategies. Since you're the only one that knows the beginning from the end, 
since you're the alpha and the omega, since you reside outside of space and time, since you're the only one that's omniscient and knows all things, if I'm willing to surrender my pride and my know-it-all attitude and ask God for your, for your supernatural strategies and then be humble enough to say, you know what, Lord, I was wrong. That's called repenting of pride. Instead of going into the spiritual battlefield, instead of going into life, instead of going into relationships and saying, I know it all. Oh, I know this is the theological answer. Yes, yes, I know that. I know this is the, the yes, that my theology tells me this. I know the Bible, blah, 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 blah. I, I know, I know. Well, guess what? You don't know. You need to be humble. There's only one that does know, and he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we are the creature, small c, before the Creator, capital C. We need to come into the throne room of God. Repent for not having come into the throne room of God to begin with. Ask God to give us His supernatural wisdom, His supernatural power, and His supernatural strategies. And if we will be faithful to do that, the body of Christ in 2016 can see a turning of the tide of the spiritual battle. But the body of Christ or the church in America will not see a turning of the tide of the spiritual battle in, up until the moment that it stops playing God and repents and goes into the throne room of God and admits that we've been wrong, we've, we've tried to do it in our own strength, humbles themselves before God, and asks for God's wisdom and God's direction and God's help, at the moment that the Church of Jesus Christ, at least a remnant, will rise under the power of the Holy Spirit and respond in obedience because Jesus is Lord, not your buddy or your sensitivity workshop counselor. Jesus is Lord. When we respond to Jesus as Lord, which means we obey Him whether we like it or not, we surrender our will and our opinions to Him. When we rise under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which will only come when we are willing to say Jesus is Lord, and receive his directions, at that moment, at that moment, the tide of the spiritual battle will, will return, and we will begin to see God show up in our personal lives, and we will begin to see God show up in our nation like never before. Because right now, we're looking at the spiritual bat battle in America, and if we look at it through our finite human wisdom, it looks very bad for the Church of Jesus Christ and individual Christians. I, 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 just, I, need, I need to just mention this, and many people are aware of it. You know, I'm not going to comment on how or why or if uh, the Supreme Court Justice Scalia, Scalia's, how do you pronounce his name? I can't ever, never pronounce his Scalia. name. Scalia. Yeah, Antonin Scalia. Scalia. I, I was schooled on his, on his pronunciation. Antonin Thank Scalia. You. Thank you, because I'm notorious for mispronouncing names. The Supreme Court Justice... He died under, uh, at the very least, suspicious circumstances. Now, I, I'm not going to, to guess as to how he died, uh, because I don't know. But I do know this. This I do know. I think it is extremely st strange that all of the major media have aligned themselves. And when I say major media, I also mean the pseudo or counterfeit uh, conservative radio talk show hosts and personalities They've all lined up the establishment media along with the pseudo-conservative 
um, uh, media personalities and radio talk shows. They've all lined up, and they all have uniformly uh, stopped covering the story uh, regarding how did he die. And the fact that they're not covering the story of how did he die is, to me, the greatest proof that something uh, questionable uh, has happened. Because, you see, if they were simply doing honest reporting, this is one of the most powerful men in the world, honest reporting would demand that in light of all these um, uh, facts that keep changing on a daily basis, it, de it at least d deserves an honest investigation. At least it, it deserves uh, an inquiry. But the fact that there's no reporting on it whatsoever, even if the outcome of the reporting is to say he died under natural circumstances. I mean, one day I hear the pillows on top of his face, the next day it's on top of his head. One day, uh, there's no mention of, for weeks, there's no mention of a sleep apnea CPAP breathing machine in the room. And I, I don't have it now, but I, I suffered from sleep apnea. Uh, thank God, by God's grace, I overcame it by changing my diet and by exercising. But I'm very familiar with a CPAP machine. Um, how come there was no mention of a, a CPAP sleep apnea breathing machine? And then one day there is. It's like Alice in Wonderland, and there's no reporting on it. And, and the fact that there's no reporting on it, to me, is the greatest single evidence that something is amiss. Because Paul, if the media was... I'm sorry. I, I apologize for interrupting. I just wanted to ask, uh, you know, you mentioned the pillow. Uh, if the pillow was not on his face, would there ever have been any mention of it? Do you think? It was just above his head, you know, between his head and the headboard. I mean, that's BS. like finding a dead that's, body yeah. and saying that they were wearing shoes, you know. Uh, just no, that's, a, that's, a that's a brilliant, no, that's a brilliant observation. I never thought about it. It's a brilliant observation. If the, if the pillow was not on his face originally, you're right. There would never have been a mention on it. The very fact that it was, that it was mentioned and then it was unmentioned is another suspicious clue. So, so I'm not coming to a conclusion at this conjecture, but the fact that the media isn't even asking the normal, responsible, journalistic questions to me is evidence that, um, that they're, they're operating, operating under some kind of common command, including the fake uh, conservative uh, radio talk show hosts. And I hope your audience recognizes that there are legitimate conservative media and there's illegitimate conservative media. And you don't determine or discern whether somebody's legitimate in conservative media uh, or illegitimate by how many times they quote the Constitution or how many times they talk about Jesus and how many times they mention prayer or how many times they talk about our founding fathers. You know, that's all window dressing. Uh, anybody can say that. You judge a tree by its fruit. When you have Rush Limbaugh, for example, I wasn't going to mention people, but I'm going to mention his name, because he has openly mocked any idea of conspiracy theories from the very beginning of his career. Now, that, to me, disqualifies him as a reliable source of information. I mean, I happen to be the author of The Babylon Code with Troy Anderson, uh, which deals with secret societies and conspiracy theories. They're not conspiracy theories. They're conspiracy facts. Our nation was founded by the Illuminati and Freemasons. Fact. The founding fathers, George Washington, 
Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, said as much in their own words. And if yeah. that's not enough to, to prove it to people, look at the architecture of Washington, D.C. So, I mean, to, to say that there's no uh, secret societies or conspiracy theories, you're being, uh, you're lying. You're being intellectually dishonest. So that disqualifies you. But, you know, in the last two days, I'm reading about this secret society uh, that the Supreme Court justice was part of, wearing green robes. And then I'm looking right now at the pictures in this, um, this uh, resort that are obviously occultic, um, that they, they remind me, and I, you know, the, the, mo the movie by Stanley Kubrick, Eyes Wide Shut, has some very objectionable scenes, so I want to caution people, but they were wearing these masks, and I see these occultic, uh, demonic masks hanging on the wall of the resort. And they remind me of the very occultic artwork, which is all over the Denver International Airport. And it's obviously occultic masks and occultic uh, statues. I'm looking at an occultic uh, statue or or model of some kind with with clawed fingernails and a hand, and the skeleton-looking woman uh, with her eyeball gouged out. And I'm looking at this terrifying. Uh, skeleton creature. These are the symbols of death. So why, at the very least, why is the Supreme Court justice going to this elite resort where it has uh, Illuminati occultic statues and symbols of death all around the place? Um, and what is this secret society? Well, I did some research on this secret society, <clears throat> and this secret society that he belonged to um, was founded, and I deal, we deal with this extensively in the book, The Babylon Code, it was founded by the Bohemian Club, which was uh, helped start the Bohemian Grove, um, and that's connected, of course, to the Illuminati and Skull and Bones and the rest of these secret societies. So, so the Supreme Court Justice is a member of a secret society that has its roots in Europe with the Illuminati, but then, uh, in more modern eras, the the secret society that the Supreme Court justice belonged to um, has its roots to a society that is connected with the Bohemian Club and the Bohemian Grove. Now, that to me is very, very interesting. And for those people who may not be aware of it, and I discuss this in my books in detail, heavy-duty historical documentation, so I'm not making this up. When you see the pictures of the Bohemian Grove, you see a picture of a great owl. Now, that great owl <clears throat> statue is Moloch, and Moloch is written about in the Old Testament. And Moloch was one of the primary gods that the Canaanites, the wicked, uh, evil tribes that were fighting with the uh, children of Israel and ancient Israel, and when Israel backslided, they too began to worship Moloch. And the primary characteristic, according to the Old Testament, and I talk about this in my book, I give, I give the, the scripture verses, the primary uh, characteristic of uh, worshiping Moloch was that you uh, would burn your children alive and offer your children, as you burn them to death, uh, as a sacrifice to Moloch. That was the primary uh, means of worshiping uh, the false god Moloch. Now, uh, that's hideous, because they really did that. 
Now, um, when we look at the Bohemian Grove, we see a, a giant statue of the owl, which represents Moloch, and the participants in the Bohemian Grove, which is a who's who of U.S. presidents, senators, scientists, heads of industry, including Ronald Reagan, by the way, um, he went to the Bohemian Grove. Um, they uh, conduct um, mock sacrifices of children, where they burn effigies. Not that means not real children. They burn, I guess, uh, you know, dolls or, or replicas of little boys and girls. Uh, and offer them up to Moloch. Now, my question is, yeah. ostensibly, how is by the way, how, how what uh, ostensibly right. by the way, only because right. we, we've had a couple of different reports that some, I mean, you know, some were not just effigies. Uh, but anyway, go ahead, sir. So, 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 let's just say it was effigies for, for just for the moment, uh, not real. And and you have presidents and scientists and heads of banking institutions and industries going to the Bohemian Grove, all right? And uh, they offer these mock sacrifices to Moloch of burning children, these effigies. Now, the question has to be asked, why would the, the most elite class in our nation go to a club, of which they do, by the way, conduct uh, sexual orgies and they get drunk? That's pretty well known, what goes on in the Bohemian Grove. Um, but why why are they if even in mock why are they worshiping the god of Moloch that tells you something uh, about the, the, the who they're really worshiping yeah. because this goes all the way back to ancient Canaan and these were these were satanic sacrifices and Moloch is a satanic god so we have King Solomon, um, <clears throat> King Solomon yes. uh, became came under the influence of Moloch <clears throat> when uh and it's a, a quote in first kings eleven five through eight and it talks about this and and he uh um was honored by worshippers and they they built the and he became part of the uh festivities if you will uh of sacrificing the children and they even say that they used uh, under the uh actual uh, uh deity or whatever you'd call it the idol they would have actual pieces of the children that were sacrificed in jars or in other places, the debris of these children that they had there, as well as uh, the children that they kept continued to sacrifice uh, to Moloch or Baal, uh, as it goes back to. Yep. Yeah, so, so that's very, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it should be hide- hideously intense to anybody listening, but it's true. It's a true historical fact. And the fact that the elite of our nation are are doing this in effigy or mock ceremonies is disgusting in and of itself. I don't think it's humorous at all to be uh, carrying out uh, mock sacrifices of burning children alive uh, in front of Moloch. I I I mean, there's many people who who are political leaders and presidents, et cetera, who went there who claim to be born again Christians. I have the Holy Spirit inside me. You gentlemen have the Holy Spirit inside you. I think anybody in your audience who truly has the Holy Spirit inside them um, um, would be grieved and would want to not participate in the ceremony. So, if somebody claims to be a Christian politician and can participate that in that in that uh, ceremony without the Holy Spirit being grieved, I would suggest to you that either they're in great spiritual deception or the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside them to begin with and they're just faking their Christianity. So this is the spiritual 
this is these 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 visual things uh, are indicators of a deeper uh, uh, supernatural infrastructure or architecture of evil that exists in in the United States of America. And, and I want to point something out because I deal with this in my book, A Prophecy: The Future of America, 2016-2017. I talk about the story of Josiah, and he was one of the kings in Israel who. Um, his father, who was ruling uh, uh, Judah, um, they allowed the temple of God to be filled with pagan altars, uh, statues of Moloch, uh, uh, all kinds of abominations were in the temple before Josiah took over. Now Josiah, unlike his father, um, loved the Lord and had the Spirit of God upon him. And one of the first things that Josiah does uh, in the Old Testament account is he cleans out the temple of God. He gets rid of all the statues of Moloch, all the occult and satanic statues and ritual things. He, he cleans the temple out because he wants to restore true worship. And then as, as they're going through all the, these abominations of occultic statues, etc., uh, one of the men uh, under assignment from King Josiah discovers the word of God. In other words, things had gotten so bad in Judah that in the temple of God, they, they, they had so many pagan altars and stuff that the word of God was, was buried under the rubble deep under the, uh, under the temple because the, the, the priests had become so corrupt that they didn't even read the word of God. And it was buried under the rubble. So, so all of a sudden, Josiah was able to recover the word of God. And so what he did was he gathered all the people and he made them read the word of God together out loud. And when he heard the word of God, uh, he heard clearly a message of the blessings that come upon God's people if they obey the word of God and they don't worship false idols. And then, of course, the curses that will come upon them if they disobey the word of God and they, and they worship false idols. And so it caused him to repent. They cleansed the altar. And, and for a season, God supernaturally blessed the children of God because they cleansed the altar and they stopped uh, disobeying the word of God. Now, what that says to us in our lifetime is that revival, a third great awakening, um, can come to America now, but God has laws. And in order for it to happen, it has, it has to happen according to God's laws, which means that there has to be true repentance. Now, um, I'm going to go back to a guy's name named Willis Harmon. And um, as you pointed out, Doug, I have a photographic memory in terms of things that are important to me. I, my mind stores them. I can, go, I can go back 30 years. So, like, I read uh, The Aquarian Conspiracy by Marilyn Ferguson many, many years ago. And the name Willis Harmon always came up because he essentially commissioned Marilyn Ferguson to write the Aquarian Conspiracy, which was like a New Age manifesto of what the United States should be under a New Age government. But the key player was Willis Harmon, who worked for the Stanford Research Institute. And he was very up, high up in the Stanford Research Institute, which was connected to the Tavistock Institute. And he was one of the prime promoters of using LSD as a means of mind control and, and shattering 
the Judeo-Christian mind and embedding the the minds of millions of people with uh, occultic ideas and New Age ideas and and uh, you know communicating with the dead and all these occult rituals. And his name was Willis Harmon. And he was very high up in this New Age movement, which was created, by the way, by the Tavistock Institute. Now, what I began to discover as I was doing research for this latest book is that, on one hand, we have the cultural Marxists in the Frankfurt Institute. And by the way, it's the cultural Marxists in the Frankfurt Institute, using men like Peter Drucker, who becomes the guru of what's called the seeker-friendly movement. So the entire seeker-friendly movement, the methodology of church growth that's employed by the majority of evangelical churches in America today, they're using a methodology of church growth and the way they build their churches and and the worship and uh, the the organization and the internal structure of the evangelical churches uh, in America, about 70% of them, is based on uh, the thinking and methodology of not men of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit. It, it's based on, all these churches are based on the foundation of a methodology that was developed by the cultural Marxists in the Frankfurt School, of which Peter Drucker was connected and he directly met with the heads of the seeker-friendly movement, and he taught them uh, how to incorporate what they call principles of church growth. But these principles of church growth were all created by the cultural Marxists, whose highest agenda was to destroy the church. So right now, modern, modern evangelical Christianity in America is operating under a system of uh, evangelism, church growth, uh, the way they conduct worship, that has all been constructed by cultural Marxists who, in their own stated goals, call for the destruction of the church, but then it gets worse than that. You go back to the 1970s, and I have documentation for this in in my new book of Prophecy, The Future of America, 2016-2017. You go back to the 1970s, and uh, there, there, there was the Billy Graham School uh, at Wheaton College, and at the Billy Graham School of Wheaton College, this evangelical uh, university, um, in the 1970s, they invited Willis Harmon and others to speak and lecture to the leading evangelical leaders of uh, evangelical Christianity in America. They gathered at the Wheaton School, the Billy Graham School at Wheaton University, and they heard Willis Harmon lecture them in detail. And I have transcripts, which I quote in my book. And Willis Harmon is talking to them about their need to open up to a cultic spirituality, the need to to uh, uh, get involved in supernatural and new age activities like meditation, not Christian meditation, Eastern mystical meditation, communicating with the dead, uh, clairvoyance. And Willis Harmon, of course, is very high up in the new age movement because he's the man who commissioned Marilyn Ferguson to write the Aquarian Conspiracy conspiracy. He's also very high up in Tavistock Institute, mind control, using LSD, and he's also a specialist in transforming culture through the business arena. 
So here Willis Harmon is, probably the most powerful and influential uh, uh, leader in the New Age movement and Stanford Research Institute. Uh, he He is lecturing the most prominent evangelical leaders in the 1970s at the Billy Graham uh, um, school at Wheaton College, and he's teaching them about the need to get involved in all these occultic, supernatural, new age activities. And when you read the transcripts, there is no—they're not rebuking him. They're all essentially uh, accepting what he's saying, with, with 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 a minor disagreement by one Christian leader. So, so they're basically, at least from the transcripts published by the the, the uh, Wheaton uh, College, that they're essentially accepting what Willis Harmon is saying because they're not objecting to it. Now he's talking about occultic New Age uh, spirituality, demonism, consulting with spirits, all the things that the Bible forbids specifically. And these evangelical leaders are accepting it. And this is in the 1970s. Ironically, it's in the 1970s that Paul McGuire at the University of Missouri, who was majoring in altered states of consciousness, who had been deeply personally involved in the New Age movement since the time he was 12 years old, um, I was practicing all these things personally. I was deeply involved in the New Age movement. I get miraculously saved at the University of Missouri and am supernaturally converted to Jesus Christ as my Lord. But at the same time, these major evangelical leaders at the Billy Graham School in Wheaton College are are listening to a man that I'm running from this guy's teaching, and these evangelical leaders are accepting his New Age and occultic teaching. Now, it didn't stop there, because the penetration and infiltration into the evangelical church has transformed at least 70% of the evangelical church today is operating not on the basis of biblical teaching or a biblical foundation or a biblical worldview. They're operating on the basis of cultural Marxism, using different words, and New Age teaching, using different words, and they've strayed from the Word of God. What I'm telling you is that they are the evangelical leadership in America, for the most part, are acting exactly like King Josiah's father and the other leaders, spiritual leaders in Israel, who disobeyed the true God and began worshiping Moloch and worshiping pagan statues and uh, practicing occult ceremonies in the temple of God that King Josiah had to go into the temple of God because it became so corrupted, he had to cleanse out the temple and and find the word of God buried under the rubble of pagan idolatry and bring it out so a revival could come, I am suggesting to you that the evangelical church is powerless in this critical moment in history because they have rejected the word of God and are secretly, whether they're using the name Moloch or not, they are worshiping the gods, the, the demonic gods and, and conducting demonic practices now, it's not that simple. They're doing it with subtlety. They've changed the names. So, so for example, they will call uh, e- the Eastern mystical practice, which involves uh, you communicating with the demonic presence, they'll call it contemplative prayer. 
So they've changed the name to, to make it more palatable. But the point is, you have huge numbers of the evangelical leadership, uh, evangelical churches in America. They are, have rejected the Word of God. And when you reject the Word of God, you become spiritual, spiritually powerless. The purity and the power of the Holy Spirit can no longer anoint and visit you. You cannot have revival. You cannot have a third great awakening. You cannot have the dunamis power of God coming down from heaven, flooding a righteous remnant in these churches when they are in their hearts and minds fornicating with the spiritual idols of demonic powers. There has to be a repentance and a cleansing of the abomination like Josiah cleansed the temple in the Old Testament. Only when that happens, true repentance, can there be revival. So what I'm suggesting to you is we have a power problem here in the United States of America. And the power problem is there's a short circuit between the dunamis power of God and the glory of God and the power of revival and the power of the Holy Spirit and power from on high which came down on the original apostles and disciples in the day of Pentecost what is preventing a visitation from on high power from on high from descending upon the church and anointing the church with power from on high which enables the church supernaturally to become overcomers to win the spiritual battle to turn the tide of what's going to happen in America there's a power problem there's a short circuit in the transmission of the dunamis power of God coming down from heaven upon the church and that short circuit is the sin of idolatry demonic worship and pagan practices and a rejection of the word of God which is just as egregious in our time as it was in the time of King Josiah and God did not write the account of King Josiah in the Old Testament to entertain bored Christians it's a living vibrant example of how God in this time 2016 wants to supernaturally intervene into the affairs of America and change the spiritual course before destruction happens but God demands, because he's a holy God, repentance. And when that repentance is real, and God's people come boldly to the throne of grace, we will see a visitation of power from on high on this nation that will rock America like the first great awakening rocked the 13 colonies. We will see revival, we will see repentance, we will see God show up like we've never seen him before, and instead of us being led to the concentration camps, we will be a victorious, spiritual, law-abiding, peaceful army that can take back America for Jesus Christ. Amen, Amen brother. Amen. And, uh, you know, you're so right on the money um, with the way that they they operate and, you know, the uh, these New Age religions, these uh, infiltrations of the Christian church, Christian religion belief system, and the effect that it has had, the subtlety uh, being key to the effect. Now we're seeing the overt, and now it's coming quickly. Folks, we'll be right back with our final hour with Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us, his YouTube channel, Paul McGuire. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
Welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're so blessed to have as our very special guest, Mr. Paul McGuire, author of 28 books, a former talk show host, radio talk show host, speaker, evangelist, uh, just one of the most intelligent people I know. As a matter of fact, he's now named Honorary Resident Professor at the Hagman and Hagman College of Knowledge, uh, University of Greater Understanding here in, uh, in our in, in our venue, and I just uh, want to thank him. So, I mean, you're listening to some doctorate level um, truths being espoused here. Before we get back to Paul, I want to mention that uh, one of the things that we deal with every day is stress. One of the things that we deal with every day is mental uh, cloudiness. This is us now. How do we get, how do we get around that? Well, the music of King David. WholeTonesLive.com, understanding how music, which is one of life's greatest pleasures, understanding how that power works. It's got, music's got the power to bring a tear to your eye or quiet your racing mind. It's got the power to clear your mind. And studies have shown the power to heal. And it's been used throughout the ages to treat things like depression, to create energy but yet to induce sleep, to relieve chronic pain, to reduce stress, and even cure diseases. Musician, author Michael Terrell created Whole Tones, the Healing Frequency Music Projects. Now, this is not New Age. This is strictly biblically based. These frequencies were studied in the the music of King David and, and believed to have astounding healing effects. Folks, now you can benefit, as we have, from this revitalized ancient healing music therapy simply by listening daily to the music and the comfort of your own home. We know how stressed you can get. We know the fact that we're overwhelmed on a daily basis. But when you have this playing in the background, for example, um, and we know how frequencies, as a matter of biblical principle and physics, can, can affect your mood and, and affect your um, affect every aspect of your life and 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 again we're not i'm not talking some new age you know foo-foo stuff no this is this is biblically based and of course uh talk to steve quayle too and, and steve had mentioned about the, the how the nazis even studied frequencies uh uh but for not so altruistic purposes well here's the bottom line folks you can support our show and you can go to wholetoneslive.com and get a free sample of this soothing relaxing revitalizing musical uh tones uh the the music if you if, if you go to wholetoneslive.com right now you can you can download a free sample but once you once you hear this and we have many people who have sent us emails and postal mail letters saying you know uh, I run a daycare for example and wow what a change in the behavior of the children think about that those of you who work at or own daycare centers Think about that. Investigate this. We are getting report after report after report of the successes of this music. And uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, we have a, a good friend of ours who has had trouble sleeping, I think, for the last, uh, I don't know, half a century. Or at least that's what you're hearing from her. And she has used this successfully in the background to... Uh, uh, ease her into sleep or to, uh, to create that sleep, uh, the, uh, uh, restful sleep. So, wholetoneslive.com. That's the website. Try it out. Check it out. 
and certainly uh, you get the DVD set. Author Greg Jackson, for example, talks talks about it as well, and uh, so many other people have benefited by it. WholeTonesLive.com. That's with the W. That's W H O L E TonesLive.com. If you're watching via YouTube, right there is the website. If it looks anything different than that, well, you're in the wrong place. It's WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. You won't be sorry. Our, our guest is Paul McGuire. Before the break, he was talking about. Um, he was talking about the, uh, well, about Willis Harmon and directed SRI study, uh, Stanford Research Institute study. And I had, uh, I had thought of this. You know, when we look at the bigger picture of things, and, and this is what we're doing tonight, um, there's the problem and then there's the solution. And then, of course, Paul McGuire is writing about both and with emphasis on, on the solution. But, Folks, I just want to remind people, you know, that the, the Tavistock, and we, we speak about this often, the Tavistockian mind-bending uh, policies that, which promote, which promoted the counterculture as a powerful weapon against Christian civilization. Well, this this shaped the way things are today, or this brought us to where we are today, and Paul McGuire has talked extensively on our program about the counterculture, about uh, Elders Huxley, about the Tavistock Institute, about, and, and few people will admit this publicly, but you know, Newt Gingrich, oh, that that conservative, right? Well, promoting books, uh, for example, The Third Wave, uh, Alvin Toffler's uh, 1970 Future Shock, um, to, to change the way we think of life. And I'll say this one last thing. The 1972 Club of Rome, they, they have a report titled Limits to Growth. It's an extreme presentation of the same general thesis of the consequences of the end of the Christian paradigm and the rise of this Malthusian age, if you will, this age of Aquarius to take its place. And I had mentioned limits to growth. Well, it's a scientific fraud. It's based on systems, analysts, models that promulgates um, or its promulgators have rejected the fundamental concept of science itself and, of course, Christianity in total. And, of course, before the break, Willis Harmon, the um, directed SRI study, was published. It asserts that there are images of man, 19 to be exact. Bottom line here, arbitrary um, assaults and uh, well, arbitrary assaults lies against Christianity. And, folks, this is all to bring in the... To, well, it's all an assault on Christianity. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say, you know, you said that a conservative. I was going to ask you uh, if you were using the government's inter- interchangeable definition lexicon uh, that they use for yeah, their yeah, their really. <laughs> yes. Well, well, Paul, thanks for holding, and, and go ahead and take it, sir. Sure. You know, um, <clears throat> Willis Harmon, um, and we, we were talking during the break, he referred to his book, Changing Images of Man. And I, I thank you for inviting me to be a professor of your school. I take that as an honor because <clears throat> I, I have been a professor at uh, Christian universities and, and uh, seminaries teaching Bible prophecy. And sadly to say, uh, at most of the uh, 
PhDs that I've talked to at different Christian colleges and schools, and it should not be the case, but this is the case. They are, for the most part, completely unaware of uh, the type of things that we've discussed on tonight's program, the names, uh, the dates, and, and they should be totally aware. In other words, anyone going to a Christian college or a university uh, should be uh, taught this because this this track of uh, uh, assault, which has been planned since the 1800s to take down Christianity and replace it with a New Age occultic uh, religion, isn't a conspiracy theory. It's a fact. I mean, that you, you could pack a room with documentation from credible sources. And the credible sources, by the way, are the, are the documents uh, of the writers themselves. They published uh, openly what they were going to do. You don't have to dig in some weird place. Uh, you read H.G. Wells or Aldous Huxley or whatever. They said out in the open what they were going to do. But it's very sad that uh, men of God <clears throat> who have been charged to be watchmen uh, on the walls of, of Jerusalem and that would include, you know, Christian leaders, especially those that teach in, in, in schools and academia and pastors, never teach uh, their uh, students or, or the people of God the reality of and the nature of the dangers that they face. Uh, they allow them to be naked and, and led to the slaughter, and, and God isn't pleased with that. I, I know that God is not pleased with this because... You see, the, the enemy, I mean the spiritual enemy, has been able to take the land because of the unfaithfulness of those who, who, who he appointed uh, to stand in the gap uh, to be watchmen and to, warn, and to warn the people. And I believe that's one of the reasons God raises up uh, programs like yours, uh, because you're, you're acting as a watchman. By the way, I'm, I'm excited to be speaking at the Prophecy Conference coming up, um, um, the date, I'm looking for the date. Um, the, sorry. Here's the Watchman Conference, so is what you're yeah. referring to? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I blanked out here. It, it starts March, it's March 18th, correct? Is right. starting date. That's right. right. That's and, and I just want to encourage, there's a lot of great speakers speaking at the conference. You guys will be there. Um, my message, uh, my opening message is on the 18th earlier in the day. So I think I'm the kickoff speaker. So I just want to encourage people to actually attend physically the conference. If they can't attend, then, then they can sign up for uh, live streaming. And uh, But I want to encourage them to physically attend because, you know, the various speakers that speak there, they minister and they have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you get to to receive that anointing of the Holy Spirit, I believe <clears throat> um, it, it happens when you're in the physical presence with other believers. And I, I have a prophetic message that I'm going to deliver, and I just don't want people coming up to me and saying, well, gee, I wish I knew what time you were speaking. I got here too late. So you need to come early, and when I say early, get there early. Otherwise, there, you can take advantage of the other fine speakers, but if you want to hear the message that the Lord has given me, you got to show up on time. I don't know how else to say that, but it happens all the time. People go, "Oh, you know," they'll get there afterwards. Well, get there on time, and you you can go to their website or the Hagman and Hagman website to get the the time and everything of the conference and the location, or my website. Also, I'm speaking at a whole bunch of conferences. If they simply go to my website, PaulMcGuire.us. 
they can see where I'm speaking and when. And then on March, um, I'm spacing out here, March 3rd to 5th in Brooksville, Florida, which is near Tampa, I'm speaking at a Bible prophecy conference. So if you're in the Florida area, you can catch me there. And one other thing, if I, I might, and that is I'm leading a tour to Israel um, April 17th to April 28th. And if you've never been to Israel or Jerusalem, come and join me. You can find out about that at the website. We have a supernatural assignment to go to Israel. I won't get into to the specifics of that right now, but they can find out about uh, the tour to Israel, March, not uh, March, April 17th to the 28th. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Um, <clears throat> so here, here we are. This is, again, I've never had a burden greater than this in my entire life. I mean, uh, the Lord has given me burdens about different things all the time, but I have an intensity of a burden uh, from the Holy Spirit regarding this year, 2016. And there are many others who, who have that burden, and there are many others who have written about it and spoken about it. Even people who are secular analysts understand the importance of 2016 and 2017. We have a presidential election, which is extremely important, uh, but we're making decisions that are going to affect where we go as a nation. And the one thing that, that I've been doing in the research for this book and really praying over, agonizing in prayer, it's like giving birth. I believe that there is a false pessimism <clears throat> that has been erected in the minds of believers. And I'm going to use the word, the biblical word, stronghold. Um, we're, we're taught in the Word of God that we're to tear down strongholds in our mind for the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. Now, what a stronghold is, in the simplest definition, it's a satanic argument or a satanic belief system uh, that, it, that is erected in our minds um, by the powers of darkness. So it's a belief system that is a stronghold, and it's a stronghold because it prevents us from seeing the truth, or it prevents us from being victorious, or it, a stronghold can keep us in captivity uh, when we, in fact, can be free. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So that happens by renewing our minds with the Word of God and knowing the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But we have to remove these strongholds, otherwise we can be in captivity, or w worse, if we allow strongholds to, to continue. So I would suggest to your, to your listeners that uh, much of the body of Christ has succumbed in spiritual warfare um, without realizing it to a satanic stronghold. And that satanic stronghold is a false pessimism and a false belief system in, in pessimism uh, regarding where we are right now in 2016 and where we're going. Now, I, I want to further define that because I don't want people to, to misunderstand me. I think it, it is correct to be pessimistic and vitally concerned and very sober-minded about where we're going as a nation. And I can understand, uh, let's call it a legitimate pessimism, in the fact that if you analyze all the data and where we're going as a nation, 
it, it, the, an honest response would be to be a pessimistic and a highly concerned. So pessimism to a limited degree is simply an honest response to the facts before us. But when pessimism becomes a stronghold, it clouds our mind from seeing the power and the reality of what Jesus can do. So let me, let me make it very precise. The stronghold, which I believe is satanic in nature, that's erected in the minds of believers, is this all-encompassing pessimism that dominates our individual consciousness to the extent that we no longer can believe that it is possible for God to supernaturally intervene in America and the affairs of America and change the course of direction or uh, uh enable us to win over the supernatural spiritual powers of darkness. When pessimism becomes uh, so all-encompassing in our minds, and that may be pessimism regarding our own personal lives, what's possible for us, um, you know, perhaps we're in trial or we're in captivity and we think, well, there's no way out. That's a stronghold of pessimism, which is not true, and it's a lie. And if you believe a lie, you're going to go down with the lie. But the body of Christ collectively in America can can make an error in two ways. They can have uh, false uh, hope, uh, which which can, comes from uh, denying reality, and you just think everything's wonderful because you're ignorant. Uh, or you can have an all-encompassing pessimism, which takes control of your mind and produces a paralysis of action and thought, where you think, well. And I, and I don't want to get into it because I, I point out uh, evidences of the stronghold in my book. Uh, one common one is is that uh, you know these these are the last days. Uh, evildoers are getting worse and worse. There's nothing we can do for America. I think he just got cut off there. Yeah, phone either died. That or, either that or we just went deaf. No, I think his I think his uh, his phone died. Which will get him right back, um, sure. And, uh, such an interesting show. It's always interesting when Paul comes on. And always different, uh, well, but always very content rich and intense. You, you know what, folks? I was talking with, uh, and, and we'll get, we're working on getting Paul back. Um, let me just remind everyone that the Babylon Code, number one selling prophecy book in the world right now, according to Amazon, uh, 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 prophecy of the future of America, 2016-2017. This is, I, uh, I mean, this is uh, perhaps one of the most powerful books that Paul has ever written, and is in the process of writing. That we ask that uh, that the intercessors out there please pray intercessory prayer for Paul to complete the book. Um, the Lord, after talking with Paul, and, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing this, um, certainly he's, uh, he, the Lord has opened all sorts of, of doors and truths to him, and, and it, this is going to be such a powerful and extremely intense book, folks, that, that's a prophecy of the future of America 2016-2017. Even if you own a prophecy of the future of America, this one, folks, is going to be totally different. We have Paul back. Paul, sir, go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate those words. Um, y- you know, uh, the, the bur- like I was talking earlier about the burden I have over this book. It's like giving birth, but the uh, but the other burden 
relates to this uh, issue of, of a stronghold in, in the mind of the body of Christ that I believe has been energized and erected by the powers of darkness. And that produces a false fatalism uh, where you say, there's nothing I can do, it's hopeless. Now, if you're saying there's nothing I can do, it's hopeless, either in, in regards to your personal life or collectively in our response to what's happening in America, that's a stronghold that needs to be torn down by the Word of God. And I don't want to get into all the specifics of people's rationalizations. See, people rationalize or justify the existence of a stronghold in terms of, of all-encompassing pessimism. They say, well, they take Bible prophecy out of context. Uh, for example, they'll say it's the last days, evildoers will get worse and worse, there's nothing that we can do. Well, that's a partial truth, but it's taken out of context. Because Jesus Christ said that we're to occupy until he comes. Now, Jesus Christ would not have told us to occupy until he comes if it, was, or if it were not possible for us to occupy. And uh, occupying, occupying means taking the territory that God's given us. The pilgrims and Puritans entered into a covenant with God when they founded this nation. And the reason we've been the recipient of unprecedented blessing in this nation is because of the covenant. America has a, a very unique plan for America. Uh, God has a unique plan for America. But whether we we hit the target of that or not is, is up to us and his people. Now, uh, again, I'm not taking Bible prophecy out of context. Um, when I talk about a third great awakening, I mean it in a biblical sense. There's a lot of people using that term right now. And they mean it in a New Age or humanistic sense. I mean it in a biblical sense, or revival. I mean it in a biblical sense. I'm not talking about Christian reconstructionism or God, you know, making uh, America a utopia. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. It's temporal. Uh, eventually, Bible prophecy will come to pass, and we will move into the prophesied and predicted one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economic system under Antichrist and the false prophet with the mark of the beast and so on. I mean, that will happen in the future, but it has not happened yet. And, and, and therefore, we can't, just because we want to take Bible prophecy out of context, we can't artificially accelerate where we really are in time and say we're in the period of the Antichrist, because we're not in the period of the Antichrist yet. We're not there yet. And because we're not there yet, we're in a place and time where God has given us a window of opportunity to make changes. Maybe they may be temporal, but we can make changes regarding our future. And people act like, well, gee, we can't change the future. Sure you can. You can change the future in your own personal life. You can decide to brush your teeth, and then you won't have to have five cavities filled when you go to the dentist in six months. You can decide to lose weight and you'll probably live longer. You can decide to change the oil in your car, and guess what? You might get another 50,000 miles on, on, on how long you can drive your car. So, yeah, you can change the future within God's parameters. Um, you know, you can eat healthy all you want, but, but you'll eventually die. But you can, you can change the future. I mean, God's people can change the future within God's parameters. Now, Let's get let's get down to, to to what's happening now. We're in the greatest crisis we've ever been. The stakes have never been higher. If we don't use the God-given opportunities that He has given us by His grace, we will end up in a totalitarian state. 
That is a mathematical guarantee. We, if we continue on as we have been continuing on, if the Church of Jesus Christ in America continues on the path that it is currently on, and we as individual Christians, with the exception of a remnant, continue on the path that we've been presently on, we're going to go into a totalitarian state with third world, if we're, we're lucky at all, uh, economic conditions, a total loss of freedoms, and it's going to be a very, America could be a very ugly and nightmarish place to live. Now, I don't believe that that's the will of God. But God, because he's holy, can only release his supernatural power and give us supernatural intervention if we uh, um, operate according to his laws, because God restrains himself on the basis of his own laws about how he's going to release his supernatural power or how and to what degree he will supernaturally intervene. Because God is loving, yes, but God's also holy and righteous. So if the short circuit problem between the power of God coming down from heaven into the earth, which is what they experienced on the day of Pentecost, is due to sin and unbelief and not being in a right relationship with God, then in order for God to send his power down on America and to supernaturally intervene, there has to be repentance of the sin, and then intercessors need to pray and ask God forgiveness for forgiveness over those sins on behalf of those that are not. That's called spiritual warfare. So, we have this election coming up. Now, it's important that people realize that it is extremely important who becomes president, but it is not who becomes president that will ultimate, or which political party that's in office, that will not ultimately determine our fate or future. That is a, a physical representation of, of partially what will determine our future, but ultimately it is God that determines our future. And so the president we elect is an important part. It's, it's important that we elect the right president, and that means having the wisdom of God and doing some homework, practical homework. That's, that's of, of paramount importance. But ultimately, who, whoever is elected, we want the person that God wants. We want men and women in office that are going to elect uh, godly policies, preserve our freedoms, uh, enact sound economic programs, and so on and so forth. But whoever is elected and the politicians that go in office and what happens in terms of uh, economic policies and trade treaties and what happens in terms of uh, uh, immigration or migration and all these other things all these other things emerge as a consequence of the release of the power of God or the lack of release of the power of God in other words, what I'm saying is, is that our physical reality is a holographic projection produced by do we seek God and appropriate his power, or do we reject God as Adam and Eve did and activate a curse like the law of sin and death? Deuteronomy 28 spells it out very clearly. There's a list of blessings and curses that come upon the people of God that are contingent on two things. Are they worshiping idols, or are they worshiping the true God, and are they diligently 
obeying the voice of the Lord thy God. If they diligently obey the word of God, and if they worship the true God instead of idols, God promises all these blessings. If they reject the word of God, and they worship idols, God promises all these curses. So what we see economically, what we see in terms of the preservation of our rights in the Constitution, what we see in terms of uh, freedom of Christianity, freedom of speech, this is all contingent upon a foundation. And that foundation, once again, is this. Are we releasing the supernatural power of God in all of its force in our nation at this present moment, or are we cutting off the switch of God's power, and are we by our actions causing a vacuum or an absence of the power of God in our nation? Because if we are collectively causing a vacuum of the power and presence of God in our nation, the demonic will take control. The forces of death and destruction and evil will manifest and triumph because there's an absence or a vacuum of the power of God being released in our nation. Conversely, if we release the power of God in our nation, what will come to the surface is not the demonic, is not the destructive, but there will be a measured amount of restoration. There will be re the release of economic prosperity to whatever degree the Lord allows it. And there will be the continued preservation of freedom to the degree that the Lord allows it. But it either goes one way or the other, and it's totally contingent on the release of the power of God and supernatural intervention, or if we continue on in... Uh, activities and a mindset where we create a vacuum where there is no uh, entrance of the power of God in our nation, we, we will see death and the demonic take over. So we need to apply it to where we are right now at this moment and this radio program. Because, see, we're not talking, this is not theoretical, it's not speculative, it's not theological. What this all boils down to is this moment in time, this minute in time, this second in time. And at this second in time, as I have said on earlier programs with you, at this very second in time, there are a number of things going on. First and foremost, in the kingdom of heaven, God Almighty is sitting on his throne and Jesus Christ presently is, in the present tense, at this second, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is being worshipped in the throne room of the universe by countless millions of people and, and angels who are worshipping him. And this throne is magnificent in terms of its structure and its color. It looks like a, a rainbow. It's iridescent. It's composed of these incredible colors and energy. And the, the King of Kings, he, he glows with this intensity that he looks like the sun. And they're worshiping him right at this moment as we're talking. We're having this conversation, and then simultaneously in a parallel universe called the Kingdom of Heaven, they are worshiping him by the millions. And they're saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb upon the throne. They're worshiping him in another dimension, simultaneously, 
at the same second that we're having this conversation, they are worshiping the Lamb upon the throne. Now, why are these two things happening simultaneously? We're having this conversation, which is you, me, and countless, countless, who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people listening in time delay or in real time to your program, the Hagman and Hagman Report. But simultaneously, at this very second, they are worshiping the Lamb upon the throne. Now, I ask your listener to recall from the Word of God what that means. It means that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is just that, He who He says He is. He is the Great I Am. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He sits right now on the throne room of the universe. And he has at his disposal his incredible supernatural power, but he also has at his disposal uh, hundreds of millions of angels organized in the angelic armies of Almighty God, and he can release the angelic armies of Almighty God to descend upon any geographic location on planet Earth that he chooses, including America, which is in desperate need of because the armies of demons are... Uh, are are occupying all kinds of territory in America currently. In addition, God raised up from the day of Pentecost his church, his supernatural body, and when he sent power from on high on the day of Pentecost and flooded the disciples and the apostles with the dunamis power of God, power from on high, it was only then, it was only then after the dunamis power from on high filled the apostles and the disciples in the early church, it was only then, at that second, that the church exploded into being and the church was able to be the church. In other words, prior to the power from on high being released into the church, the church couldn't have done anything. But when the church received power from on high, it, it dislodged the illegal occupation of Satan and his demonic forces in any territory the church moved into because we've been given the power to tread upon scorpions and serpents that's authority over the demonic powers but unless we as the body of Christ do two things number one we have to repent because it says in the book of Acts when Peter was preaching he said repent and they were cut to the core of their being as the Spirit of God moved upon their hearts. They had to repent, and they had to be willing to receive power from on high, and then they had to be willing to obey God. And when you obey God, you move out and you take the territory that God's called you to take. Well, our territory is obvious. It's America. America is under jeopardy of being seized and taken down by the powers of darkness. So at this moment, the King of Kings is sitting on the throne room of God. We're speaking simultaneously on this radio program, and listening to this program are massive numbers of people who have the Holy Spirit of God living inside them. And because they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside them, they are the true members of the supernatural body of Christ. And so at any moment that the true members of the body of Christ decide to obey God's word, which should be now at this second, and come into agreement... And whatever they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. And where two or more of you agree on earth, there I am in the midst of you. Whatever we ask in Jesus' name, 
will be done for us by our Father who is in heaven. But our Father who is in heaven is not sitting idly by. Jesus is on on the right side of the Father, and he's ruling and reigning in heaven. And they're not sitting there in a frozen state. They're sitting there in an active state. In fact, I would suggest to you that at this very moment, if we could peer into the throne room of heaven, I would suggest to you that at this moment there is silence in heaven, and that the ear of God, the ear of Almighty God, is predisposed to listen in on the fellowship we are conducting right now over the airwaves. And the ear of God is listening intently and carefully, and the ear of God is waiting to hear whether or not we will obey his word and pray a prayer that he can hear in obedience to his directive in the word of God, where we will agree on earth and ask him for his supernatural intervention. I would suggest to you that the Lord has been waiting since before the beginning of time for us to act in this moment of time to invite him in to supernaturally intervene in America. So could I lead us in a brief prayer? Of course. Absolutely. Lord, we thank you that the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but it is of power. And, Lord, we thank you that we are dealing with realities that are far more real than our physical dimension. And we thank you, Lord, that there are countless numbers of people who have the Holy Spirit of God living inside them, and that they are responding to the moving and the direction of the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of truth inside them. So, Lord, we make the decision by faith to obey your word. And, Lord, first of all, We are not righteous in and of ourselves to ask you for anything. So we begin with asking you to forgive us for where we fall short, for where we have sinned, both in our own personal lives and collectively and for the church in America. Forgive us, Jesus, for where we have missed the mark. Forgive us for how we have sinned and cleanse us with your blood now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And, Father, no matter what sin has occurred or been done, it's been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb right now in Jesus' name. So every one of us is qualified to take the next step, which is to come boldly to the throne of grace. And, Father, we we receive your gift of righteousness by faith. And right now, countless numbers of us make the decision by faith to come boldly to the throne of grace where we are promised an ever-present help in time of need. And, Lord, at this moment, we give you... America, We give you our lives, our families, our children, our future. We give you everything that we're facing as a nation, and the church is facing God. And, Father, we repent because we admit to you, Almighty God, as King Josiah did, that we're in the trouble we're in because we have disobeyed you, either individually or collectively. We have not listened to your word. We have disobeyed your word, and that is why we're in the dilemma that we're in. We repent of that, and we repent of what we've done collectively, Father, and ask that you would give us mercy and cleanse us with your blood. Father, we ask you on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ and the promise of your word, we ask you now, as we move into the Super Tuesday election season, this election year, and regarding all the forces and decisions that need to be made in America, we ask God 
We stand on your word where it says, Where two or more of us agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Lord, we exercise the keys of the kingdom by faith, and we ask God in Jesus' name that right now at this second you would supernaturally intervene. We ask that you would fill us with power from on high so that we can do and carry out the omission that you called us to do before the beginning of time. Fill your people, Father, right now in the name of Jesus with power from on high. Let every single person who doubts or who has intellectual or theological questions, let them be suspended for the moment and let them have childlike faith. And we ask now in Jesus' name that you would fill us with power from on high so that we can accomplish what you called us to accomplish. And God, we ask that you would supernaturally intervene in the affairs of our nation. Father, let your strong hand of righteousness, let your angelic armies descend in immeasurable number, Father. Let the angelic armies descend upon America in, in, in numbers that exceed our imagination. Let your angelic armies descend now, God, in the name of Jesus, and let your power descend upon America as it did during the time of the, thir- of the first great awakening. Set your people on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, your word says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, which he has, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Father, we ask that your angelic armies and your power and the Spirit of God operating in your church with power from on high would turn the battle. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would turn the tide of the spiritual battle. We ask, Father, for your mercy, that you would put in men and women in office that will serve you and your will. Do not give us the. We ask God that you would not give us the leaders that we deserve. Give us the leaders that we ask for on the basis of grace. Give us righteous leaders, Lord. Preserve freedom, preserve prosperity, preserve this nation, Father, so that we might fulfill your call for us as individuals and as a nation, not because we deserve it. We appeal. We make this appeal to you, God, Almighty God, on the basis of grace and on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Father, by faith, we ask you to do this, and we thank you for it, God. We thank you for answering our prayer, and we thank you, God, that you are moving with your power now, Lord. Father, we thank you that power from on high is descending into every heart listening. Power from on high is descending upon America, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we know that power from on high is descending because in every heart that is listening, that has the Holy Spirit inside them, to every individual who is in a right relationship with you and not blinded by carnality or prejudice, the Spirit of God in them is resonating and bearing witness Father, that what we have prayed is in accordance to your will, in accordance to your word, and in truth. We thank you for doing it, and we thank you for the supernatural strengthening and grace that is being poured out upon us and upon our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And and folks, with with Paul's appearance uh, in his teachings, I mean, we have, we are being given 
God is opening up the intellect and understanding of of people listening to this broadcast, uh, making it possible to hear very strongly the the, the Holy Spirit, the, the call to bring down the architects of evil, or at least push off the architects of evil. We know what their agenda is, but through knowledge, through information, and but most importantly, prayer, we can make a difference and, and bring others to salvation in this time of relative quietness. And, and Paul, I think you said the silence in heaven, but let's, let's not squander this time. We are not given, um, and this is just, as you said, and I'm echoing this, we're not given to a spirit of futility or fatality we are given to a spirit of fighting and 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 educating and and understanding and well we need to saddle for battle that's what we need to do i believe and we are called to stand in the gap player position read our own mail follow the instructions given to us because each and every one of us were born for this time for this moment in time and if we don't understand what our job is we must try to and if we don't play our positions if we rather sit on the uh, on the couch and 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 play what pac-man or whatever (laughs) eric's laughing because i guess that's not whatever you know (laughs) we play pac-man together on the weekends i guess that's not (laughs) we don't play that anymore i don't know but but you know what and and i know obviously that's humorous but but you know um but, uh, and, and it's my call to our listeners, our call to our listeners, uh, to embrace Paul McGuire in intercessory prayer uh, so he can move on, be the, be, continue being the, um, the tip of the spear and to educate all of us and to remind each and every one of us that why we are here and, and we are not going to, well, we know how the story ends. We know we're fighting for a position of victory. Let's not squander what we've been given let's let's stand up let's be counted let's put our name on the line let's put our let's just let's just again saddle for battle let's rock and roll people well maybe not rock and roll but you get it <laughs> all right but, but amen you know the the thing is like if god did not want us to do this he wouldn't have given us the opportunity so the very fact that we can discuss this, we can pray for it, and we have whatever opportunities we have left are all evidence of the fact is that God wants us to, to, to use it. And more importantly, that's what his word says, occupy until I come. I mean, we're here, we've been given a divine assignment, and that divine assignment is not to be in a state of paralysis or uh, uh, you know, knocked out through, through despair and pessimism. I just want to add, like, like this this note of, uh, well, counsel, if you will. You know, a lot of people wonder, gee, why isn't my life working? Why does God not bless my business or bless this? Or why don't don't think? Why aren't things moving the way they should? And and let me just share this brief principle. When you get engaged with what God is calling you to, to get engaged with. When you step into this spiritual battle, when you make yourself willing to obey him and get involved with stuff larger than your personal life, when you take the burden for what's happening in America seriously and you begin to do something about it, when you begin to respond and throw your energies and your finances and your life and your prayers to whatever degree you have them, God has a very funny, strange way of watching your back 
and taking care of your needs. And all of a sudden, you discover that when you get yourself aligned with what God is concerned about, He lifts the oppression. He sends His resources. He sends His healing. But He doesn't send it to those people who sit on the couch and criticize everybody else. And He doesn't send it to those people who, who, who do nothing. And, you know, you might not like the way that I'm doing it, you may think you can do a better job. Well, go for it and get up and do a better job. But God doesn't bless the person who does nothing. You know, I don't claim to be perfect, uh, but I claim to be available. And I don't even claim to be good at being available half the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so at least I showed up. You may not like how I fought the battle, but for crying out loud, you, me, and many of the other listeners, at least we showed up for the battle. Right. Uh, sitting on your couch and watching TV all day does not equal occupying. And, and it amazes me, <laughs> exactly Paul. Exactly right. And, yeah, that, that's I mean, true. it does in a sense, but not in the biblical sense. Well, right, and it amazes me. <laughs> right, and, and exactly. I'll only, oh, right. I'll, I'll only say this one time, because I, I don't want to turn turn negative here, but, you know, to those people who sit there and, 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 to, and to criticize and, and to say, you know, um, well, just to criticize and, and to, to, to operate blogs and, and, and websites and that are dedicated to taking down, fragging the brethren. You know, I, I, I just beseech you, uh, 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 turn yeah. your efforts into something more positive. I think it's, it's instead of taking others down, do it yourself. Do it better than or, us. Or, or present your, uh, issues, concerns with brotherly love, uh, coming from a position of, of caring uh, about the end result not just doing it to complain and tear down but right. if Let's, you really care about what you're complaining about then offer you know constructive criticism in a in a loving manner but but, but uh, uh, you know I, I i say that internally here to our people uh, uh, paul a rising tide lifts all boats and you know if we if to, and I, I mean that on, on an internal basis here. But if we look at this, and if we uplift one another instead of tearing others down, uplift one another. Wouldn't that be great? And if you can do a better job, do it. As you said, Paul, do it. And do it with as much uh, intensity and, and love for God as possible. That's what we need. We need to come together. 2016, time is short. Let's not squander it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, right. Well, so time, time is short. I mean, t t 2016, we've already entered into it, and it's going to be over before we know it. And um, this, you know, it, it, every every time, you know, there's there's strategies and there's opportunities. And most people have been a, a, alive long enough to know that when you have a divine opportunity or an opportunity, the wise person uh, takes advantage of the opportunity. God is giving us because of his grace, an opportunity to change uh, our nation to whatever degree he chooses. And he <clears> will, but this, it just, he, doesn't requ he requires something of us. And, you know, what you said about those people who just, like, criticize others, uh, you know, I feel sorry for them because um, they have allowed their, uh, their, for whatever reason, they've allowed themselves to be deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that which he also will reap. So, you know, you think, well, I'm the all-knowing one. You know, I, I'm the one who can criticize and tear down and whatever everybody else. Well, the only problem with that is, is that 
if you are a believer, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as I am. And, you know, God knows me and my motives, and God knows everybody who's listening and their motives. And what we did for self or vanity or, or ego or pride, or, it's going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. And what we did for God, we will be rewarded with. And so, you know, a lot, some people say, well, Paul, this, this, and another. God knows how to take care of Paul McGuire. Paul, God knows how to humble me. God knows how to deal with me. And if God isn't happy with me, he's going to let me into heaven, but I'll be at the whipping post at the judgment seat of Christ. So quit worrying about me and start worrying about yourself. There you go. And like you yeah. said, if you can do a better job, do it. You know, I don't claim to be the uh, all-knowing one. The, the all-knowing one is sitting on the throne room. I'm just down here on earth doing the best I can. Amen. And in closing, we only have about 90 seconds left of this program, and it just went so quickly. I just want to, again, thank you, um, most distinguished professor at the Hagman and Hagman College of Knowledge. Well, that's I'm, I'm kidding, but one thing. In hey, I like it. I like it. I accept. I accept it. I accept the <laughs> <Okay>. degree. <laughs> well, one one thing that I do want to ask all of our listeners is, uh, subsequent to our program tonight, please let's all lift up Paul McGuire in prayer and, and act as intercessors on his behalf, and and, and to pray that he for his safety for his productivity in finishing in getting the word out with respect to uh, prophecy of the future of america 2016 2017 and folks pre-order on his website um, and certainly spread the word about the babylon code let's make that a number one bestseller in the new york times um please let's do that and let's give give it all you know, behind Paul McGuire because he is a, a treasure of a man. He's my, I am so proud to be able to call him my friend, my brother, and I know Joe is too. Yeah, and can't wait to see yeah. him again in Dallas. Yes. We yeah. always have yeah. fun when we get together. We always yeah. have fun. Gentlemen, it's a great, a great, it's a blessing and honor to be on your program. So, thank uh, you. I brother. believe we, we did what the Lord wanted us to do. That's the most important thing tonight. Amen, sir. And, and please give our best to your lovely wife and tell her thank you so much for sharing you with us. God bless you, Paul. I will. God bless right. you guys. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good night. Wow, Joe, what a great program. Yes, it was. You know, and I'll tell you something. I, I just, real quick, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. I just want to say thank you to each and every individual listening out there. I want to say thank you, Eric. Thank you, J.D. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Joe. I want to thank my wife and my family for standing behind me. Thank you, Paul McGuire. Yeah, I just want to thank our listening audience and everybody out there who supports us with prayers or with kind words and spreading a word about the show. Right. God bless each and every and one thank of you. you, Global Star. What a great job. This is the Global Star Radio Network.